Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. So I'm um, here with another episode of Live with Greg with Travis, and um, we met up at West Point Inn. Yeah. Started talking about comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't. I've never ran into anyone who's who tried to be a comic before. I don't know if trying to be a comic. I was actually trying to be a comic. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, tried in any capacity right, right, to be yeah. a comic. So I was like, I mean, maybe I have, but not not anyone locally, not anyone around here, and. And I've been super interested in it. So when you said that, that really sparked me up. I was like, oh, shit. I want to get some more details. Um, of course, then you're just like, oh, go check the Facebook. I don't have Facebook. So I was like, okay. But I did see that calendar you sent, which is it seems like a rad resource. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was super interested when you said you were into comedy because it just seems like such a... It's I, I think pro- Probably from podcasts lately, like I feel like I've gotten more into it, like the process of comedy and stuff and, and writing and thinking about jokes. And I, I took a couple courses at the library, too, that were um, like story writing or like how to tell a funny story. I forgot the title of the class, but the gist of it was how to like parse out a story to make it funnier and punch it up kind of. And uh, and then a couple creative writing classes. And I was like, oh, that's. There is like a, a recipe, so to speak, for it, but uh, but also it uh, I don't know. It just interested me. It just seemed cool. So, what do you have in your toolbox right now? Zero, zero no. tools. <laughs> no, I'd have to rent some tools. No, so like, you, but you went to these courses at the library. You must yeah. have something in mind that helps punch something up, right? No, I. You know, all the only thing it really, the only tool I guess I walked away there with was. Um, building um, awareness and from listening to like different podcasts and stuff was building an awareness of you know like what what um, not what kinds of things are eligible for like funny stories or whatever because I'm sure maybe anything could be if you were good enough but for me like what how to parse out a story that is a little funnier like what it takes what are, what are the elements to make it funnier you know like whether it was self-deprecating like was there something that happened like like one of the stories that I came up with when I was or like you know racking my brain when in these classes um, was about a time like I almost shit my pants at Dolores Park and I was like how is that funny and like how can you tell it where it's funny and um, so it just made me more aware of what kinds of things fit easier into those uh into that capacity you can probably make anything fit if you were good enough like I said but in general there's probably some some things that are funnier than others um, or it comes easier but yeah so that's the only tool I would say I came out with but nothing really to be honest I haven't put any work into it I just have been on the peripheral like looking over the fence being like that looks pretty cool like that grass looks pretty green over there but I haven't like gone over and sat in the yard yet that makes sense. It does. So what's gonna? When are you gonna jump over the fence? 
I don't know, man. That's a great question. Maybe that's what you were saying with the universe telling me something earlier. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. That was, that, was, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come and talk to you um, was because I was just curious, like, what your experience was with dipping your toe in the pool of that and what made you want to get into it and then, um, you know, what you did about it. And obviously you said you, you went out in San Francisco and you became part of that Facebook group, and um, which seemed like a good resource. But, yeah, what prompted you to get into it? Um, I've always had a desire to perform and after attempting I was at kind of a crisis period in my life and attempted a band and that didn't work out and I realized if I'm doing stand-up comedy there's I'm the excuse if it's not working out right. I'm the problem right, right, right. and I can deal with that got it so no team element kind of no no outside excuses. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so how did that work out? It's great. Yeah. And it worked out like any craft, yeah. job, anything in life. It was, you know, I like started going regularly on Tuesday nights at a place called Neck of the Woods. That's in the city? It was in the city, um, hosted by a really welcoming individual, Danny um Danny. I just forgot his last name, but he's been doing it forever. And I had always heard about the brainwash, and that was kind of right. like, wow. That's Is that still around? No. Oh, okay. The, I think they lost their lease. Okay. I forget. But, um, but I think that element that was there has found another place. Sure. But the brainwash was like where the hardcore goes. Like, that's where you get eaten by lions. And I was like, really? oh, I'm not ready for that. There was like a crowd there? I've never been inside. Yeah, it. there's a crowd and there was like seasoned people. Like there was some... Like on a circuit that would go there. Professionals that would go there to work out their oh, stuff before wow. going to a paid gig. Got it. And yeah. the gentleman who was in charge of that, um, Tony, everyone referred to him as the godfather because he had just been hosting forever and God. had a deep, deep experience. Yeah. But to answer your question... Taking it seriously, I just kept moving more and more. So I started going like to more open mics. So pretty soon I was going to you know five nights. Got it. Going to the brainwash regularly. And you would you would spend a lot of time writing and thinking about it and like tweaking like in between those nights. You know like no. Oh really? Yeah. Just no, keep I'm, continually trying to say right. So most of my stuff was. And I also noticed, like, I'd be sitting there, and yeah. something would, like, would get sparked, and I'd yeah. write it down, yeah. and go on stage and see if something worked, and yeah. keep working out stuff. Yeah. What was the hardest part of all that? My head. What do you mean? Me telling myself that, you know, like, I'd have a horrible night, and go, ah, oh, this is shitty, yeah, this yeah. is fucked up, I'm never going to make it. Yeah. This is hell, I shouldn't be doing this. So just like self confidence and perseverance through that kind of situation, yeah, right, right. yeah, which is, I'm sure is like almost everything, even tennis or whatever, like life, yeah, life, yeah, yeah. And you don't do it that much anymore. I don't, the- haven't done it in yeah. years. Yeah. So my marriage broke up. Yeah. And um, was that the impetus, the crisis thing you were talking about? No, that was a different thing. That was a kind of a different thing. Got it. And. Um, I was involved with a film. Yeah. 
so I kind of pulled back so that as I needed energy for the film and my marriage broke up I wasn't feeling so funny got it yeah and uh, then I think the last time it kind of came up in me as alive and wanting to do it um, it's like jumping into ice water mm. you know after you haven't jumped in every night kind of stand at the edge and go oh I know what that's about right right don't know I want to jump in yeah you've atrophied yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's what I mean when I listen to the podcast I kind of talk about it that's what they all say it's, it's like working out or something you step away and then it's it, it's hard to get that momentum back up to get back into it um yeah yeah that's cool did it work for what you wanted it to work for like when you I was started? growing yeah so I had done I'd started to earn a little bit of money. Yeah. Started to... Doing spots. Doing nights. Yeah. yeah like I'd be opening for a group of four or something like that. Got it. And um, and started to really make connections with people who were doing it. Yeah. And ahead of where I was. And yeah. And it was a grind, like every night. Like, yeah. leave. did you live in Marine at the time? Yeah. Drive to the city. Drive to the city. Drive up to um, north of Petaluma. Is it Katati? Katati, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there's a great place at Katati. Yeah, it's like a college vibe. Spanky's. Oh, okay. And um, that was that's I think that spot's still happening. Okay. And that was the other thing is um, in Albany there was a place. So yeah, driving all around. Crazy. And would you drink ever? Do you drink? I don't drink really. Oh, okay. So I would have water or ginger ale got it yeah I was just thinking in terms of like taking its toll because every night and then if you were drinking on top yeah, of that so. I think some people go that route and yeah. yeah some people are a lot younger than uh, yeah 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 so you know um yeah it, I think working out is a great analogy yeah because everyone I know who works out regularly there's an element of like I don't want to get out of bed at 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning and go work out yeah. However, I know that for what I want in my life, yeah, this is what I must do. Yeah. So to be a comic. Yeah, you got to do that. Why do you think that is, just with working out? Like, I think about this a lot, like, in terms of evolutionary standpoint or whatever, like, if you look at it from that lens, to me it seems like it would be an evolutionary benefit to have working out be great and people want to do it like why is there such a like why am I always doing the like I'm going to do that tomorrow I'm going to do that next week I'm going to do that I'm going to get started on that like why don't I I know it's better for me I know it's what I want to do I know it feels good once I've done it but why is there such a hurdle to get into it and to do it like it seems like from like an evolutionary standpoint it should be like eating sugar like it should be like I know this gives me more energy I know this helps me like my body should crave it like why isn't that why doesn't that why would it make sense for us to fall into this trap of like for me to fall into this trap of like laziness you think it's a great question because from an evolutionary perspective I don't have an answer I think from an evolutionary perspective the premise of that is building upon what is and getting better, right? I'm following you. Hold on. So scientifically speaking, my understanding of evolution 
is it's a process that is improving upon what is currently real. Right. Okay. It's, it's life extending itself. Yeah, and sometimes by like a Jackson Pollock randomization, sometimes by you know processes such as like oh if you continue down this path you'll get a little bit better you breed with someone who gets a little bit better and then therefore evolution goes down that path right and better changes as part of the evolutionary process yeah you know like better during one span of time may mean you're a giant reptile right 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 and then you're something else. That's not going to work in this. But it seems like being healthy, being like fit, being working out would have been always better to be so that. It does seem like it's interesting. I've wondered yeah. that. Yeah. Like sugar. Yeah. Why is it that we know that's not good for us? Because that's quick and cheap and dirty energy. Right, like our bodies it's understand. Easy. Yeah. Why is easy easy? Right. It is. Like yeah. why is. Why is the detrimental easier yeah. than that which actually lifts us? Right, right. Yeah, I think about it with my daughter, like because like getting her to eat vegetables, it's always like a little bit. And I'm we I've been trying to be really good about constantly offering and putting it as an option and giving her since she was young tastes of this and that. So she, I, you know whatever people suggested with it, I was like I'm gonna try it, I'm gonna do it, and it's still like. Not like pulling teeth, but it's not easy to get her to eat vegetables. I'm like, it seems inherent that you would, as a human, you would evolve to enjoy something with a plethora of vitamin and minerals. Like, you know, you meat, fat, sugar, whatever, and then also some vegetables for whatever reason. Like, but it doesn't seem intuitive to kids to want to eat vegetables. Okay, I've heard a couple of things on that. One is we've polluted our environment. So our natural state will do exactly what you're saying. It will eat the right things at the right time for what the body needs for sustenance. But when we introduce processed foods Mm. and sugars, we're short-circuiting the natural system. The easy choices, like what you were saying earlier. Right. So there's an element, like the best story I've heard is a woman coming to Gandhi and saying, can you please help my kid quit eating sugar? You know, it's like he just, like, blah, blah, blah. And Gandhi said to her, come back in a month. And so she came back in a month, and then he talked with the kid to quit eating sugar. She said, "Why? what happened in that month? Like, why? And he said, I had to quit eating sugar. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So there's an element of you as the parent. Are you not only emulating, but are you deeply rooted in good, healthy Choices. Right, because then it would just be there'd be no other option. It'd you be would, the way of life. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because and that's, I guess that makes sense too. When you think of like kids who grow up in a different culture, like why do they eat that? Well, because it's just what it is. Right, that's what's there. It's what's right. in the refrigerator. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. I've always thought about that a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah. But are, is anything off limits on this? Nothing. Okay, so tell you me. I swear to Yeah, okay, I wasn't sure. Tell me about being a Mason, because that's something I've, <laughs> I've also really been curious about. Well, I don't think I'm very authorized, because I'm just a second degree, yeah, and but, I haven't been active with the um, lodge that I'm a part of 
for many years. Yeah, but I, what drew you to it in the first place is what I'm um, A like-minded co- community of yeah. support that has a spiritual element and um, and I think to better to be a better human being a, 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 a community of like-minded people to interact with and in that process grow and be a better human being and did you find that there? well I haven't been active so I know I but when you were I, I, I don't think I'm active enough to oh. I here's what I've, I've kept my membership up yeah because I do believe in the premise and I believe that it is that and the little interactions that I have had have been that mm. so I believe that at some time in my life I will be more active is second degree like the white belt is that the entry level thing yeah oh okay I don't even know yeah. well yeah first degree second degree and I think it goes up to like Pluton or something Pluton right exactly um what <laughs> what was the first time you went there like how did you find it I inquired yeah, but what, what, like, how do you know that that would be that community? You said you were, that's what drew you to it, but like, how do you right. know that would be that in the beginning? Um, like, did you do any research? Did somebody tell you? So that? they used to open up their lodge, or you, you know, the downtown Mill Valley pancake breakfast? The one of the firefighters? Thing. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Totally, yeah. So oh, before yeah, the Sweetwater yeah, yeah. was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still across the street. Right. Um, the law, the Mason Lodge used to open up. They'd have an open house, and Got you it. could go and you could they'd tour and talk about it. And Got it. yeah, it was in, and the pancake breakfast took place downstairs. They they had a little stage area where the Sweetwater stage is now. Yeah, yeah. It was like a high school stage, and it was shabby. And yeah. fact, that's where the uh, firemen would set up to cook. And oh, the whole thing was there. Well, it was outdoor still, but you'd yeah. go into there, get your food, and go oh, out. Oh, got it. And the lodge is upstairs, got it. so you'd get to tour and they'd talk. And so that was one way um, through the Dan Brown book, and I forget mm-hmm. which one that uh, the Masons were a part. But you know, it was a very dramatic kind of yeah. novelette. But, sure, sure. But what it, it did introduce is like, oh, there's a historical aspect, like a lot of. The things that I do believe in with our democracy, it seems like came from these ancient premises that have been upheld. And the Masons have principles of living based on Masonry. Yeah. So to build a true building. Right. You need to be able to have strong foundation, strong foundation and angles right, yeah. and that's what these premises are built upon. And um, as I, what comes to mind even is something from a Passover service that still resonates with me, where I was talking about the pain of the slave master along with the slaves. That slavery itself is a painful way to live for everybody. And right. I was acknowledging that, and it also was acknowledging, like you talk about evolution, that our children would bring humanity closer to true freedom when everyone's living free. Yeah. So that really resonated with me. So in my studies of spiritual and knowledge, 
like I'm gaining real-world stuff from these studies, and that's what I believe Mason's is also. Yeah. Did you ever read East of Eden? No. It rings a bell. It's a Steinbeck uh, novel, I think. Uh, okay. Big. It's a good one. Um, but there's a thing in it that I always thought about when it comes to... He wasn't a slave, but I think he was some sort of servant. He was a... An Asian guy who, in this takes place in Monterey or like in the Carmel Valley, like that area. And there was a farmer, and he had employed an Asian person who I think I think his name was Lee in the book. And he I think he was like a cook and gen- a general, like kind of farmhand kind of guy. And he talks about how you know like he was he was super educated, super smart. And other people would come over to this guy's house, and they would end up talking with him, and they're like, "What are you doing here? You're like super smart. Like why are you this guy's serv in this guy's servitude or whatever?" And he uh, he had an interesting in the book. He he says that it's the ultimate freedom in some ways that he was saying because he doesn't have to make this. I, I forget what his like real core argument was about it, but just like the way he laid out his argument, I was like, "Oh wow, there was some weird freedom and where he didn't have to make choices. He didn't have to." deal with a lot of the stuff and the other guy did a lot of that and he could just kind of be there and read books in the afternoon and then you know get his jobs done he was he wasn't a slave but he was definitely working for very low pay and he was like there's a certain freedom in like just committing to that and being like I'm not going to worry about that and if there's there is some there is some more there's harder work to be done when you stick your neck out to like be like well I'm going to go get this for myself I'm going to you know improve my life or Whatever I don't know. I just thought of it because you were talking about the slave, like the the you were saying the tenets of the detriment of life for slave owners as well as slaves, which totally makes sense to me too. But then I just thought that guy's interesting take of taking it from a from a different perspective. But yeah, and that's totally makes sense that slave owners would not feel, you know, on some core level, not feel hundred percent right. You know, whenever someone does wrong on any level for any reason I bet most people are aware even quote unquote sociopaths whatever um, I've been watching a lot of that kind of stuff too like the 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 there's a show called Mindhunter I don't know have you ever heard it I scanned it not my cup of tea yeah, yeah it's, it's about the development of the FBI profiling system that took place in the 60s with the the beginning it's of what they called serial killers or people who killed multiple people um and they're developing like a profile for well what, what are these people what motivates them what do they think about it's really i don't know why i've gotten so into it i know i was thinking about this too that was another thing sort of like the evolution thing with vegetables and working out is that why are humans so drawn like i feel like there's so many podcasts about true crime it's such like a you know like they say if it bleeds it leads kind of like you know there's just like this innate like hunger for this kind of like information that has to deal with like a lot of times pretty like unsavory you know byproducts of murder or rape torture killing all that kind of stuff and like i feel like that stuff is so popular like and it always has been it's always been like what do they don't they call it pulp fiction back in the day wasn't that a yeah. for that kind of stuff yeah. um it just seems like it's always i wonder why humans are like so drawn to that maybe because it's like something outside the norm so it's like at least interesting because it's like it's not like going to a grocery store and saying hi to doris and getting your eggs and milk and bread and leaving like I don't know why. Why do you think that is so interesting to people? Why has it always been so? I feel like it's such a market for it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
why do you, why are you drawn to mine? What's it called? Mine hunter. Mine hunter. Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I think maybe there is just a fascination with someone different or different than myself. Do you notice what you're feeling when you watch it? Uh, I mean, it probably runs the gamut of interest. I'm feeling um, like I want to know more. I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling like uh, I guess curious. Like I want. I want to know the motives. I want to. I want to. I want to be able to button it up. I guess maybe like not solve it, but like be like. Why did this person do this? Like, I want. I guess I want reason. I want to know why. Like, I guess that's a core human tenant is to want to know why things are the way they are. You know, like, you know. So maybe that's probably something to do with it. Uh, I mean, yeah, the gamut. Because there's definitely parts where I'm like, I'll get up to the bathroom. I'm a little scared. I'm like, what's that noise? <laughs> <laughs> but and I'm not. And I'm not into scary movies. I don't watch scary movies because I don't. I feel like it's like. It's just another thing that it's like feeding my mind junk food. Like I don't want it because I don't want to like when I'm out in the woods or something. I don't want to think about that stuff. I had to think it's like not poison, but you know what I mean, like junk food. Like it, it doesn't lead me to a place where I feel comfortable with myself outside at night. You know what I mean? Like if I'm watching too many scary movies. This kind of wraps back to your vegetables and yeah, working yeah, out. Yeah. Because it's possible I've heard that indigenous cultures like in the Amazon or the Aborigines of Tasmania and New Zealand and live lives where these elements that it seems human wants, the human wants excitement, challenge, ease, rest, they're all met just through daily life. So they're not seeking unnatural for lack of a better word or like extracurricular extracurricular activities to stimulate these areas of the brain and synapses yeah so in watching that mind hunter and getting up a little scared there might be a part of you that isn't awake in your normal life right like let's just say that there's still like you know we still have these inherent like evolutionary like needs desires like or just like wired for like you got to feel some sort of like stimulation because we used to hunt saber-toothed tigers whatever but that's not being met anymore because now the worst thing that can happen is you can get hit by a prius on your bike ride home (laughs) Uh, but but, yeah but i don't that doesn't occupy a real fear in my mind um versus like a saber-toothed tiger would be like a real present fear so maybe there is something there yeah evolutionarily speaking and the same with our diet. Perhaps right. there's um, ease, you know, it's like, well, that one, yeah, it seems like convenience. The processed food thing, I think, is way more impactful than we're really aware of as yeah. just a general society. Yeah, but I bet the horror movie thing is the same thing. I mean, I bet if you look, I bet if there was like a chart of like the amount of horror movies like back in the day of like Frankenstein or something to now, it's just like, and not only horror movies, I'm talking like real crime podcasts, all the whole the whole marketing package or the whole uh, consumable package of it is much higher, I bet. Yeah, it just occurred to me, like I've heard that when the nuclear bombs were dropped, that that became the fear. Like, and if we look at media, even Twilight Zone, that was an area of triggering for people, of fear trigger. 
isn't really prevalent now, but what we maybe, like what is triggering fear wise is some whacked out stranger might fuck us up. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. There's no. Um there's no prediction with them when it's random. Right, or like right. just someone who just like, you know, quote unquote, they never saw it coming kind of thing. Um, and we won't be able to reason with, you yeah. know, like there, I think that's an element with a psychopath is reasoning. In fact, I just heard on, I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast. Someone, no, it was, it was Oprah actually. And women were being taught to take care of themselves if they're alone and, and one of the things was never allow someone to take you to a different location and all these things. And what one of the stats was they found that people, we think if we're nice to the person, they'll be nice back. So, like, if you're threatening me and you're psychotic and you're going to hurt me, if I'm nice to you, maybe I'll win you over. But it's actually me coming out fiercely. That the stats are better. Like if I'm that I'll leave you alone if I'm the psychopath. Right, right. That yeah. if I'm being nice, that I'm not meeting. It's not received. You, right, right, right. It's right. not there. Totally. But if you start feeling like I'm going to be a threat, yeah, and you're like that, you don't want anything to do with it. Totally. It's like going to break into a house and the porch light comes on right. versus like a welcome sign comes out. There's a totally right. different vibe. Right. <laughs> you ever. So how many kids do you have? Just one. Got Just, one daughter, yeah. Do you and your wife ever talk about having more? Uh, we talk about it, yeah. Um, she wants to. I, 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 I'm back and forth on it. I like, I want to be cool with one, but, and I, yeah, I go back and forth on it. But somebody recently, I was on a job in Florida, and somebody's like, oh, you know, not only does, is it hard, like, is it, is it not hard, but not only does it impact them for whatever way or reason, um, now, later on, when uh, her kids, if she had kids, wouldn't have any cousins. And I was like, well, yeah, but then I guess if they married, they might get cousins, you know, whatever, like, but it does, it can impact future generations. And I was like, oh, that's another argument. Like, so I don't know, we go back and forth on it. Um, but then, like, the windows, like, not the windows closing, but just, like, I wanted them to be close if we were going to, and then they're not that going to be that close because she's four and a little change now. I guess they'd still be pretty close, but I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm undecided still. But it's trending towards maybe not. It's also just expensive, um, which is weird to qualify it that way, but... And I guess when I was younger, I used to always think differently, too. Obviously, before I had kids, it's easy to think differently about having kids. But I was always like, yeah, just one for sure. Like, you know, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I She wants to. There's no doubt there. Um, but, yeah. That sounds super cool that she's, like, not forcing the issue. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, she... I mean, she hints. There's hints. Right, right. But yeah. it's like, it sounds like a good partnership if, you know, like like you said, she definitely wants to. There's no question there. And it's not happening. So yeah. So it's like... Yeah. Yeah, she wants... Yeah, she, yeah there's no, she hasn't pressured. Um, yeah, she's good at dropping hints, but no, there's no real, like, pressure or, like, extraneous real... Uh, 
Yeah, pressure, I guess, is the best word. Um, yeah. But we, we, and we talk about it, like, I guess we, we skirt around it a little. We've, I mean, we have never, like, sat down and really, like, not like we would make a pro and con list, but, you know what I mean? Like, never really hashed up, but I think we're also just sort of feeling our way through the dark with one at this point, um, a little bit, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I do think it would be cool, though. I grew up with a sibling. I love having a sibling. Um, I think it adds a lot of value to life. Um, you know what I mean? Like, That's a strong argument to have a child. It does. I mean, it does. So I'm saying for them, I think, personally. I mean, maybe it's not always the case. I don't know if, like, I just like my brother, but we're only two and a little bit of change of heart. But, um but I just can't imagine it wouldn't add value on some level. But then again, I guess my mom and her sister, they fight all the time. They don't even talk now. So maybe it's not always, you know, I don't know. It's not always there. But I just think that, like, then, like, as their parents, like me, as I got older, then she would at least have someone to talk to about it or whatever. Like, I talk to my brother all the time about my mom. So it seems like it would be helpful. But, you know, I don't know. You have three, you said? Yeah. Yeah. I have a brother. Oh, you mean children? Yeah, children. I have three children. Oh, yeah. and you have three siblings too? And I have three siblings. Three siblings outside you or three total? Right, three siblings outside. Oh, okay. Four Crazy, okay, yeah. yeah. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Sierra Madre, like Southern California until I was 13, and okay. then North East Bay until end of high school. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and you had three kids, and what are their ages? 21, 18, and 13 and a half. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, so the big gap between the 18 and 13 and a half, I guess. Not that big. What is that? 55 years? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that would be, if we had another kid right now, it would be the same gap, I guess. 13, 18. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, I think all three of them do really well together. Yeah. And 18 and 21, are they, what's the sexes? Uh, girl, boy, girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Kawaii there's two boys, probably. Me and my brother fought a lot. When we were younger. We right. don't fight as much anymore at all, obviously, but... We were two years apart, but two boys. Crazy. I will say, having a kid, what do you, uh, are you a nurturer or nature person? Before you had a kid and after you had a kid? Like, I know it's obviously mixed on each end, but but in general, do you notice anything different before you had a kid? Like, what you thought about nurture versus nature versus after having a kid? When the experience of having a kid entered my life, it definitely changed my priorities. Yeah. Instead of, I realized I wanted to be a dad, and that was more important than being a superstar. Yeah. I meant more like, like you know, nature versus nurture argument. Like, like before I had a kid, I was like, I would look at kids and I would see their parents and I'd be like, oh, she's only into Disney princess stuff because her parents must have exposed her to that kind of stuff. Like I, I mean, like it was all it was all nurture, and then now I'm like the opposite. I'm flipped my script on that 100. percent I'm like, oh, it's very nature. Like my daughter was like wearing little high heels that she would steal from people, or like mimicking makeup. And her mom doesn't even wear that much makeup, um, and definitely didn't put it on in front of her like for a long time. We were very conscious of like not trying to like shove pink things down her throat or like even expose her to like quote unquote Disney princess movie kind of stuff and she just always like wanted Disney princess dresses always wanted makeup and and purses and high heel kind of stuff and like and I'm and I'm like let's go outside let's hang out like you know don't 
play with too much of that kind of stuff. We wouldn't even buy that stuff. Obviously, it seeps in here or there from relatives or neighbors or whatever. But I'm like, it was very inherent in her that she was into that kind of stuff. So I'm much more now. I'm like, oh, there's a lot more nature involved in that. And I see with boys too, like just friends and neighbors who have boys, and I'm like, oh wow, they're just so like into war and guns and punching and fighting and jumping and and girl and girls. I just like she's so into taking care of her dolls, always, just always into feeding them and combing them and you know caring for them, and putting them down for a little nap and mimicking whatever we do with her into her dolls. And I'm like, none of that was like, whenever we're, I was like, oh, let's play with dolls and I would do that. I would never do any of that. She just, and maybe she got a little bit of from school or whatever, but even before she was in preschool, that, that kind of stuff was, I, I noticed was very inherent. Um, yeah, so, but before I wouldn't, you know, I would have went to, went to war arguing that it was like, a hundred percent like nurture like it's like oh she's getting that from outside sources you know like she's seeing like clips of disney movies or whatever and that's why she would do that but now i'm like oh no it's definitely way more inherent than i thought does that experience open up the wider you wondering about your own thoughts and beliefs and like okay how much of this is real and how much of it is something that I created at some point in my life? In terms of my beliefs or in terms of my memories? Beliefs of what's real. Oh, because okay. we operate on our beliefs, right? Right. Like, I believe I'm this kind of person, so I'm going to do this. Like that right. So let, let, if you still believed that nurture was the fundamental priority in how one grew up, I imagine you'd put more priority on your habits and choices because you'd believe they are a distinct influence on how your daughter's going to be. Got it. Versus now I'm like, oh, it's nature, so I can just kick back and be easy and be like, she'll figure out, she's going to be who she is anyway. That kind of thing. Right. Um, Yeah. There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of, you know, I... In terms, so you asked in terms for me personally. Um, for me personally, like establishing who I am based on what I believe I am and stuff, was that like if I, you know, stop and think, was that inherent in me because I was born this way and I think that's who I am, or was that, you know, nurtured onto me from, you know, peers and relatives and family and, and, and acc- accolades from peers and, or schools or whatever or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I haven't given that a lot of thought. In terms of my daughter, though, um, I look at it as like a long-term investment kind of thing, like just a little bit as much as possible, like as often as possible is the best for me. Like like, uh, like exposure to nature would be like a good one. Like I, I want to bring her out to nature and, you know, go put her wetsuits on and just like play in the lagoon in Bolinas on like a bunch of sunsets as much as possible throughout her young life. And does she love it? Yes. Now, will she not love it at some point? Probably. Did I go through a phase where I hated backpacking as a kid? Yeah. I hated camping even. I was like, fuck that. I don't want to go camping. I want to go play video games with my buddies or go ride my BMX bike around going to a beach and sleeping in the back of a truck. I'm not into it. You know what I mean? But like, but now looking back on it, I think it like nurtured 
um, a large <laughs> love of the outdoors and the wilderness and that kind of stuff. So, yes, it does influence my decision making when it comes to my daughter and like what I want to expose her to. And I don't necessarily want to like force anything down her throat. I do believe being outside nature means a lot to me. Um, so yeah, so I I try to try to put that on the schedule that on the docket as much as possible that kind of stuff um in terms of like um and i mean everything yeah not only like that that's just like a real like easy physical manifestation or like a kind of more tangible one but you know like interactions is another too like i want to obviously through modeling you know show her how to respond with breathing you know what i mean like to a heightened situation where obviously she's four so heightened situations come around the corner sometimes and uh and I want to teach her about breath and like how to get your breath back and how that could be a priority before making a decision comes into play um yeah so the, yeah the, yeah so I guess it does change no I mean I guess I think of that in terms of nurturing for the parent thing but but I guess I was just more surprised about like I guess the more stereotypical like gender stuff like specifically girl stuff boy stuff I was like oh my god it's crazy like how much more inherent it is in a child than I thought it was you know from from having an outside perspective but yeah um yeah so that answer the question all right yeah sure. <laughs> You can't give a wrong answer. Yeah, no, I know. I just forgot the question a little bit. But, um, I didn't forget it, but I how just are you talked about, to how about How are you about eating vegetables? I love it. I try to eat it as much as possible. Yeah, I'm all about it. I'm I, I, I'm the main cook at the house, so and I'm always like, put a vegetable in there, put a cooked cabbage on the side, you know, cook, put sliced tomatoes on top of the pasta, whatever it is. Like, a bunch in modeling, and I'm sure I'm pretty good. Um, Obviously, I don't mind a bowl of cereal here and there, um, but <laughs> so she picked up on that as well. But yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, that was yeah part of my thing earlier is that it's I don't feel like it's like oh I'm not eating vegetables, but you need to eat your vegetables. It's not like one of those, you know. So, but it does, but I mean, she's gotten a taste of like sugar, obviously, and I was like thought I was going to be like the real militant one, like no cake or no sugar, get that out of her mouth until she's. 18 you know this just goes out the window kind of quick these days it's it's hard out there with that shit Ah. you know you turn the corner her grandmother lives in Petaluma so she's like a classic kind of Italian grandmother and always trying to feed her yeah Um, that's your wife's mom yeah and we're not married she's just my girlfriend but yeah it's her mom yeah and she's she's cool it's good I mean she's moved back she comes back. She lives in Martha's Vineyard in the summer, and then comes back here in the winter. And so she's been back last last year, the year before last year, and then this year. So yeah, so coming up on three years after this year goes by. Um, it's been nice having that. Hopeful. Yeah. Uh, also, sometimes not. <laughs> not. I, I, let's just say the arguments I win less arguments There's, they're more stacked on their side which is sugar's fine so, so a little bit of that goes out the window but and sugar is fine in general and I think like I think you know like 
and then it's hard, but I think just teaching responsibility with choices is better than outlawing something, you know what I mean? Like, I mean... I absolutely agree. Yeah. But that's harder way to do it, but right. I think... But I think it's the better, more nuanced way. Like, yeah, even absolutely. with, like, bad words or whatever, it's like, yeah, I still curse, but... And she'll be like, oh, that's a bad word. I'm like, you're right. It is. Why did I use that? Let's, let's dig into it for a little bit and figure it out. And she's, she's so far as played along. You know what I mean? My son learned fuck at a very early age. Yeah. He also learned, wow, this gets a good reaction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tried everything to, like, you know, and it wouldn't work. Finally, I, what you just said, I was like, okay, the best I can do is hopefully help him learn without him having to experience it. And if he uses this word at a friend's house, the parents might react and no longer allow him to be there. Right. Like teach him a consequence of it. Right. Like, I, I don't know for sure, but I know there's people on the planet yeah. who they hear that word and yeah. it's game over. Yeah. Teacher hears that word. It's probably going to be pretty close to game over. So, up in the office. Right. Right. So then hopefully, like you're saying, learning appropriateness and him being able to make his own judgment judgments of yeah. what he can do I mean that's the you know the synopsis of being a parent in general it probably is I'm just going to expose you to the pros and cons of a lot of things and hopefully you've got enough substantial you know wherewithal when it comes to that to make your own decisions because obviously I'm not going to be able to expose you to everything and Obviously, you can't prepare anyone for any all situations ever. So, it's more like give them enough data to be able to crunch their own conclusions out of a equation or whatever. You know, like whatever the equation is. Should I go home with this drunk guy? Should I say this word at this moment? Should I eat this that I probably won't do me any good in the long run, but feels pretty good right now? You know, those kind of things. So that flips me to like, so you making the choice to do something that's hard for you. Like, let's say you want to exercise more, but you're not. Right. So actually taking that on potentially would demonstrate to your daughter, not about exercise, about making hard choices that are actually better for us in the long Yeah. Did you, have you ever gone into, um, Jocko Willink. He's on Joe Rogan sometimes. No. He wrote a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And oh, I, I do know Jocko. Yeah, yeah. the uh, SEAL guy. Yeah, SEAL guy. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't read it, but I... And I think Jordan Peterson also talks about this a little bit, too, and I totally agree with it. And I, I think other people have talked about this, too. Um, but I totally subscribe to that. Even though I don't personally always do it, I know in my head and that's the truth. It's that the more disciplined I am, the the more I make the decisions for myself to do the harder thing, the easier life will become. Like, whatever that means, whether it's working out, whether it's financially, whether it's spiritually, whether it's in a relationship, um, you know, run up the stairs and get the hard work out of the way first, and then and then it's downhill. You know, ideally. And even if it isn't, you'll at least be more trained to go up more stairs. Right. Yeah. Right. You know Dave Goggins? Yeah, yeah, same same vibe. Right. Yeah. He's like extreme, extreme. Right. But. So part of what you asked about with Masons, or yeah. even when I was really getting into comedy, really doing stand-up seriously, yeah. being in a group of like-minded people, it's a bit easier. 
Right. Yeah, like the the five person rule or whatever. I you know. know oh, that you're a sum. You're a sum of the. Um, sorry, reach over to grab this water. Um, you're a sum of the. Uh, what is the quote, man? It's, <laughs> it's like something about the f- people you spend the most time with. The five people you spend the most time with is like yeah, that's who you're going to be. Yeah, it's like, and so unfortunately for me, it's mother-in-law, even though I'm not married. But you know, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And so the the more you spend time with people like mine, like you said, if they're into what you're into, the more likely I believe that that you would steer towards right what you want. Now, I think. Um too like speaking of your family unit mm-hmm. I think the more we accept what is and choose actions that support what is in a healthy manner so like you have a partner mm-hmm. in parenting mm-hmm. she has a mom mm-hmm. And from what I'm hearing, that's a tight unit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of making a joke, but yeah, right, but yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Totally, they're like-minded. I'll say that. And I don't always, we don't always, our Venn diagrams of like best well, values, right, 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 is not exactly. There's not a large overlap in the beginning, middle. There's some, but but so here's part what I believe is like we're talking about with um, Jocko and all these people. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the challenge being crippling and taking one under to get on top and have the challenge be what strengthens the unit. So if you are able to look at the like the Venn diagram, like here's the areas of challenge, how do I breathe into that and let that become a strength, whether it's a strength because it's challenging you personally, so the more you learn to live with that challenge, the better you're going to be. Yeah, so yeah, so like give me a hard, uh, like a concrete example. So let's say there's conflict, like let's say like, like I believe getting up early and exercising is like is a is a good thing to do with Tanzan in the morning. That's my daughter's name. Um, and let's say they don't agree with that, but they want to take Tanzan out for I don't know what ice cream and soda. Yeah, sure, sure. Eight o'clock in the morning. So what's the so what are you saying is to breathe into exactly? So for me personally, yeah. How do I remain strong? in my belief hmm. interact with these two individuals mm-hmm. who their belief is ice cream and soda at 8 o'clock in the morning is perfect mm-hmm. how do we remain a family community with allowance for everything for the best of all because I know if I get angry and triggered it's over I've lost my community in unit. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm getting angry mastering that. So like for if I'm interacting with you and I'm really angry, but I'm still able to master that emotion and communicate with you why I'm angry, mm-hmm. which has everything to do with me. Mm-hmm. So 
that's, I think, the other piece of it is taking, like these people we're talking about, Jocko especially, it's a 100% responsibility for who I am, what I'm feeling, what I'm doing. Hmm. So if you slap my face, whatever my reaction is, is my responsibility and has nothing to do with being slapped in the face. Totally, yeah. Did you ever read The Four Agreements? Yes. Yeah, so I haven't read that particular book. I've read a book he wrote afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. So here's these dynamics of a family. You have a close family, and we could even include your brother and your mother and her sister. Mm-hmm. Like, So a good example that just came to mind is my own littlest sister. So I have two sisters and I said something something to the eldest one that didn't go over well. Yeah. And the littlest one was like, that's not her. Like, part of communication is being aware of where a person's at. Right, And right. communicating with them. Right. Versus, instead of trying my agenda. Right. Like being like, well, I didn't mean it that way. It's It's her... Or I have an agenda with what I'm bringing up. Like yeah. I, I'm thinking I'm doing good. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, work something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into that vibe. I'm into that idea. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's what life is. Is trying to figure that all out. Is trying to figure out how to breathe. We use quote breathe into it. But yeah, same idea. It's how to work within whatever confines you have to make the best of the situation um yeah and i think it is yeah i think i think some of the thing you were saying is like release expectation on some level no not you didn't say that specifically but i've been experimenting a little bit with that like uh i yeah i've done a few things i've tried okay so i've done two things i've one time I tried this experiment where I purposely built, I like, I want to say manifesting, but I think that word is a little, uh, loaded. Um, where I was like, I'm going to get into this concert. I didn't have any, t- my buddy texted me. He's like, yo, we're at Treasure Island Music Festival. This is a long time ago. And he was like, come through, whatever. And I was like, all right, I don't have any ticket. I don't have any way of getting there. It's sold out. Like, or I have a way to get there, but I don't have anything like no real solid plan. And I, so I was like, all right, I'm going to ride my motorcycle. I lived in the city at the time, and I was like, the entire time on my motorcycle, I just said in my helmet, like, I'm going to get in this concert. That's it. I'm just going to get in. I'm going to get in. And I'm going to find a way to get in. And I just kept, like, repeating that mantra or whatever. And so I parked my motorcycle. I, like, hee-haw around the, like, front gate. And it's like, what the fuck was I thinking driving out here? And then I was like, ah, what am I doing? And then it was on Treasure Island, so I was like, looking back at the city, walked around the side, like, kind of by the little shore there, and was, like, just, like, debating. There was, like, some bleachers set up outside for some reason, and I sat on those for a minute, and I thought... And then I see, like, this side gate, and I see this guy, like, letting um, golf carts in, like, artists and stuff, and they all have, like, lanyards and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, what am I doing? What am I, how am I going to get in? And, like, yeah, this is so stupid. Man, I'll just go home, text my buddy, like, da-da-da-da. Not sure about getting in, yada, yada. And then I was just like, ah, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So I just walk up to the guy at the gate, and I just unzip my jacket, and I just told him as I was walking up, I was like, I'm going to unzip my jacket, and I want you to act like you see a lanyard here and let me through the gate. And then he just, like, 
did that. He didn't say a single thing to me. I unzipped my jacket and he opened up the gate and just let me walk in. And I just walked into the concert. Did and you say that out loud? Yeah, I said it out loud to him as wow. I was walking towards wow. him. And he just like looked at me and I just unzipped it. And then I zipped it back up and let me through the gate. And that was it. And so that was one thing where I like purposely had expectation. I built that expectation. But then this last year, or I, maybe it was two years ago now, I forget, but I went to uh, a Dead and Company concert up in Eugene and I'd never been to one and I was like just peripherally starting to get into the Dead a little bit and uh, and a buddy of mine not even a buddy like a buddy of mine's boyfriend was like we went on this hike we did the Dipsy and I was kind of telling them about, I was thinking about going up to Eugene to see this concert and, the, and he was like oh he was really into the dead and he's like oh you should go if you've never been you should go and I was like okay so then the whole drive up I have all these expectations I'm thinking about it, thinking about it and I just realized like oh, I need to like clear my mind like just press like defrag or reset and like don't come in with any expectation and I find like that I had such a good time and I was just by myself like just went right up and just had a great time but yeah, I guess, I don't know, I forgot what the point of the story was. I guess we were talking about dealing with, I, specifically my family or whatever, and, and making whatever is work, um, what, however much of the Venn diagram is overlapped or whatever. And I guess I was saying, my point was that I see value in creating expectations or like standing for values or whatever that are important to me or, or just... You know, I don't know. I guess, yeah, there's there's value in that, and then there's also value in removing all expectation for me. And I guess I've used both in different times. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to dealing with any conflict with other humans, I guess the best is to, yeah, try to breathe into it, like you were saying, or try to, you know, see the strength in the conflict, that the part of it that challenges me, you know. But that's not always easy to do in the moment. Like you said, if you got angry... It's over. You've lost your community, which I think is probably true for me. Now, here's what I'm saying. Oh. Because I think getting angry is okay mm-hmm. if I remain responsible for my anger, mm-hmm. not make it your problem, and not get caught up in whatever problem you have going on for you. There's a great group that um, I've been practicing with for a while. And part of what I'm learning is to process my feelings that are difficult for me to live with mm-hmm. as my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, if I say to someone, hey, do you want to go see a movie? And they say no. And I feel like, oh, hurt. Right. I don't have to work it out with them. I yeah. don't have to tell them what I'm doing or what's going on for me because it's not their responsibility. Yeah. My feelings are mine. So I can process it myself. It's my responsibility. So it, I'm not saying don't be angry. Yeah, yeah no, no, I got gotcha. you. Um, what group is that you're talking about? Um, it's a mindfulness group oh. here in Marin. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I was thinking about recently, too, which would be so cool, is... I feel like there could be, like, a good YouTube channel of, like, teaching communication. Teaching, like, you know, like, like if someone's stuck in a conflict, say, like, with a partner, so with a mother-in-law, with whatever, like a daughter, with whoever. How, what are some ways that can help lead this person through that conflict? And when, or or towards a resolution, maybe not, it won't be resolved necessarily, maybe it'll never be resolved, but 
what are some ways to process it, to deal with it, to understand it, to see, like, to break it down and be like, what's going on here? Like, what's my, how come I'm feeling this way? Why am I upset? And is it okay to be upset? Which it always is for the most part. Um, how can I process that? And what what does it mean? And, and all that kind of stuff. Like, like a, almost like a, like an interpret, interpreter, interpreter for emotions and communication and stuff. When I was in high school, we had this amazing program called peer counseling, and it, there was a two women that kind of ran it, and they taught us. They did like a it was a year long course, but then there was a intensive retreat for like a long three day weekend, and like I remember they just taught us so much about like identifying feelings and speaking with you know like a lot of that like human potential kind of movement kind of stuff like uh urban Aslan. No. A lot of that kind of stuff, like <laughs> Mill Valley stuff, like from back in the day. Rich but, white people stuff. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, that's what a mindfulness group is, just for the record. Uh, <laughs> but it's there's 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 grains of truth in all those, I think. And maybe it's like, you know, rich white people are the first adopters, sort of like military's first adopters for high-end tech, but then it trickles down to everyone else. Um, Trickle-down economics, I think that's where that term comes from. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah. I just think it'd be cool to like break it down for like, you know, people on YouTube for like high school students or like um, or whatever. Because I don't know if there is a lot of resources. I know there is probably resources out there, but they might be buried like little grains of like little hidden, you know, nuggets here and there. Like a little bit of them in this or a little bit of them in that, but no, like, uh, no one-stop shop kind of like source for this kind of stuff i feel like not anyway i guess it'd be kind of psychology based but obviously i would have no credential for that but <laughs> so you've brought up two things where it sounds like you are in a performance mode youtube channel and stand-up comedy oh yeah i'm always in a performance mode so yeah do you want to do it uh which one <laughs> let's go with stand-up comedy no so I, yeah i do a little bit but i'm not like I'm not on the edge of the cliff ready to jump. I don't know what I am with it. I just, I think I'm like, you know, it's like, it's sort of like being attracted to something from afar. I don't even know if I would like doing it, obviously, because I've never done it. So, but it's like, I feel like I've been exposed to it a lot recently. So part of that means maybe it's like percolated a little more in my mind or like ideas more than usual. But yeah, I have always been into humor and comedy and, and making people laugh and and all that stuff but you know but I also used to want to be a DJ and that didn't really go anywhere for me um, a radio DJ or a concert like a, just like a DJ DJ two turntables yeah 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 microphone. yeah yeah and I DJed like some high school dances and shit I was like you know cause I I don't know if it was just like trending and like whatever television or my age group which was you know I forget how old I was when I did probably like 18 um and I feel like comedy is kind of trending right now, so I'd be scared that I'm like. But that being said, I mean, being wanting to be a DJ, I was always into music, and wanting to be come into comedy, I've always been into like comedy and cracking jokes and sarcastic and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so yes, the the long answer to your question is yes, I want to do it at some point, and yeah, the YouTube channel I do want to do for sure. And I, mean, I don't know if I for sure is maybe too strong, but I do want. I've always thought ever since I took that course in high school and I've kind of gone back and helped teach that a little bit and 
talk to other people, and I was like, and I was like, kind of like loosely always thinking like, God, because originally I was like, it'd be so cool to do a documentary about this program that these ladies started, um, and it would be cool to like make some like a, I'm not a book. I definitely don't ever wanted to write a book, but I just wanted to get that information exposed somehow and then I was like well what's the medium today Like, and that shifted so back in the day it was documentary but now it's like well just get a YouTube channel going and like get people to, you know there's a million YouTubes on like how to get rich by you know saving money and investing in S&P 500 and how to you know you know whatever there's YouTubes for everything but I haven't really come across too many YouTubes that deal with um, how to talk to other people how to uh, talk to yourself, self-talk, how to identify feelings, emotions, what are feelings, you know, and I, and even like that movie, that Disney movie or Pixar movie that came out a little bit ago, and I kind of saw it peripherally and I was like, oh, you know, there's always like inklings of it out there, but there's no, like I said, not one-stop shop, but I don't know, I just haven't seen it really. Have you seen anything like that out there, content-wise? I know like now, like, not TED Talks, but maybe there's other like probably podcasts there's probably definitely podcasts on and it kind of gets a little self-helpy but this would be more like I guess you could do you could also or I could spin it like a little bit where like you interview people with you know like like what their perspective on the value of communication is and like why uh, like what like something they've struggled with how they overcame it what they learned about like a good example would be you with the um, you're saying you took that perspective of I don't want to project anything of what I react to or what I feel as to it doesn't have anything to do with the other person like you know even that perspective and like how has that worked out for you and what brought you to that and what was it like before you did that and what did you notice and were you in a pattern like what did that look like and and and, and is it hard to do is it and when have you been challenged to 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 continue that um, practice or whatever? That's a long rant. <laughs> I forgot if you had a question. I do now. <laughs> I, need to, I need to take a communication course. Yeah, your question was, do you want to do those two things? That was the original question. I said, I gave half-ass answers to both. <laughs> All right, so... Half-assed answers are going to get you... Half-assed results. Or nowhere. Yeah. Um, Neither one of those things is going to happen. Yeah. Right, which is the ownership thing, right? Like, the like, just buck up and do it. Yeah, you're right. I should. And by you being right, I know I'm right. And so I know that's the right answer. Yes, I should. You know what I love about the Tony Robbins? So talk about self-help and all this stuff. But he's got this great statement. When you change your should into yeah. must yeah so I should start a YouTube channel I should start doing stand up I must start a YouTube channel yeah I'm, and what his point is is we all have shoulds yeah and when we shift to the must yeah I dated a girl whose dad used to say when you bury can't you'll find will yeah <laughs> that's all <laughs> it's like the same thing kind of yeah. um well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Because if you do stand-up, it'll yeah. take you away from your family a lot. It happens at night. 
Right. So if you're working during the day and doing stand-up at night, you're going to be absent a lot. Yeah, that would be a struggle. That would be hard. Do you think you would have the support of your partner? Uh, yeah, as long as I was, like, careful to, to balance it. Like, um, you know, she uh, does photography, so she does a lot of weekends doing weddings and stuff, and that's late. But if her mom is here, she'd probably help a lot. She loves taking her, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it would be a little bit of a balancing act. So, I don't know. But I'm sure it'd be okay. But also, that was one of my original questions, too, was, like, how much is there in Mill Valley? Because it seemed like there used to be some. I know the Tuesday night thing at the, whatever that thing's called, Throckmorton, I guess, yeah, or whatever. Um, and I've been to the first Friday, whatever that thing, the Naked Truth. Naked Truth. Yeah, which is amazing. Right. Um, I've never done a lightning round, though. So you just brought up two yeah. professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering, is there any non-professional in Marin? Not in Marin. Yeah. No. Seems like South Salido, maybe. The only place I'm aware of is the Bellrose Theater, yeah. which has open mic on Thursday nights, but it's predominantly singing. And I think if... Um, you know, I've saw... So I did that for a while. Yeah. And... Um, it's really a format for music. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> you just try to force some jokes down there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're very welcoming. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're yeah. not like but it's yeah. just Yeah. You know, it's like if it's the same with the brainwash, you know, and then someone would show up and they'd be a musician and they'd perform and everyone's kinda like Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not really why we're here. It's not you know, it's yeah. Um, but do you and your partner yeah talk about helping each other out to achieve these big dream items uh no I mean well I mean a little I don't know let me let me see um like comedy she says I should do it for sure um and I, I mean I have never it's not like really like it hasn't been on a table like and I'm like Oh, just waiting to open that up. It wasn't anything like that. But it's just been, like, peripherally, like, talked about. But wouldn't it be cool? Like, so here's some important things you've talked about. Like, with another child. Yeah. Comedy. They both will have big inputs, impacts on both your life. Oh, yeah. Your life will change pretty radically with any one of those choices being taken seriously. Yeah. So wouldn't it be cool to have conversations over a span of time that are talking about what will that be possibly so that instead of like a big rock being dropped in the pond and you guys are dealing with big waves now if it is going to happen when the waves come you'll know they're coming or maybe the rock has just kind of slipped into the water instead of a splash yeah yeah I guess right now we're just debating if the rock's even worth picking up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And by that, I don't really mean debating, but I mean just, like, skirting around it. Um, but yes, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. We, yeah, we haven't had serious conversations about anything else, I would say. Um, yeah. And I guess it's maybe like one of those things where life just goes by and you just I forget to take action on it and then that's what happens and then, right. then the decision is made for me which is right. the discipline equals freedom thing I, f I feel like if you don't have the discipline to go out and get it then 
you've lost the freedom of the choice to go do it right. on some level, you know, or should it, should it go to that thing? Right. And I do believe for myself, I notice it's, I notice a propensity for me to believe there's a monumental moment like when the decision's made in me and then I go to the person with this monumental decision. Right, right, right. I don't think life's real like that. Right. I think life is a process. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so like if a- these monumental elements are spoken with consistently, yeah, then it's a part of our life. It's a part of our process. You're saying, yeah, so you're saying if you're thinking about it, you're speaking about it, and then you should start doing it. Because there's not going to be like, someone's not going to come down from the heavens and ordain you a community. Right. It's like, you have to go take that Or you're going to let it go, for real. Right. Yeah, and you always be like, well, I always thought I'd do that. No. So there, I think it's also possible to let something go mm. cleanly. Mm-hmm. Like, an example I always bring up probably because in me, heroin, I just have this belief that if I shot heroin, I'd love it. Oh, I think everyone plays it, don't they? I don't know. I, I think there's some people who don't even ask, like, why? You know, if you ask someone, they go, why the fuck would I think about shooting heroin? And then they just pop an oxy. There you go. Yeah, have another glass of wine. Yeah. But my point is, I believe now in my life I'm at a place where I don't need to shoot heroin to learn it's not good for me. I can let it go. Got it. So, for, like comedy yeah. or having another child or whatever it is, that's a pot- potential monumental life-changing thing. Yeah. You can process it and potentially let it go cleanly. Yeah, yeah, yeah without having to experience it. So through dialogue, you might go, oh, you know what? Stand-up comedy isn't really what I want to do. But this is what, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And it's clean. It's not a situation of, oh, I wonder what would have. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd still just rather try heroin than have another kid, though. <laughs> <laughs> That seems pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, I've never done heroin. Uh, or any of the synthesized versions. Um, yes, I see what you're saying. Dialogue. Um, yeah. Which, and your wife's a photographer. I imagine she has her own personal aspirations for her life of some personal things that she would like to see grow and thrive. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. You know, even though... Yeah. So to work together in partnership, like in tandem, where these personal things are growing, are supported by the partner, because they're a part of the dialogue, the regular dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Like a check-in session and then see how it's going. Yeah, I, I was listening to some podcast where... I think it was Tim Ferriss, the guy I was telling you about earlier. Um, he was interviewing someone, and they were very, like, type A, but and methodical and organized about stuff. But he said, I think it was like he, I think they said that they were, they treated their relationship like a business partnership, and that they had quarterly check-ins. And they were like, 
so what are our goals in the next five years? And like what? And like let's you know, so four times a year they have a serious sit down conversation. And like, well, how are we look like in like not like a balance sheet kind of style, but almost like that where it's like, okay, well, how's that working? And like, oh, I noticed you went surfing a lot more this weekend, like or this these past three months, and like here's how that impacted me, and here's what I like to change about that in the future, and you know, I need more support over here, etc. I thought that was kind of a cool way to do that too. Mm. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that. And it, and I think they said that the key to it was actually just scheduling the time, was like putting that on the calendar, and and then uh, and then they, it's like they were they knew that allocation of block of time was there, and so they would like book a babysitter for the kid or whatever, and um, and then just go to town on it. And mm. I think they said once a year they took ecstasy and went to some resort and had another like more emotional connection thing too um but i was like well it's like a like a it's like a i don't know some sort of ritual it's kind of cool to do those kind of ideas um but yeah that would go towards what you were saying of like it's not like a someone comes down from the heavens and ordains you this or that or it's like you just put it on your calendar and start doing it um, on some level, like whatever that looks like, whether it's only 30 minutes you know, a month or, or four hours a quarter or whatever. Uh, yeah, so do you do that kind of stuff? Well, I don't have a partner right well, now. With any, but yeah. yeah. And I also, to help support that train of thought, I like what David Goggins says about if you're really going to do something, you're going to do it now. As soon as you say, I can do that, and I caught myself this afternoon, like I had a bunch of work and something interrupted me and I had my phone and I thought, oh, I can, like I was about to jump back into work and I thought, oh, let me just play this one quick game. Hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, if I'm going to work and that's what I'm going to do now, I put the phone down and went to work. Yeah. Well, that takes a lot because I'm not that good at that. <laughs> like putting the phone down and not getting down some rabbit hole of distraction I think it's practice like this mindfulness group of people and you talk right like and that's why I think I operated a lot with this dream of the heavens coming down and ordaining me right magically transformed yeah and whether it's like if I meet the right love partner, my life is magically going to transform. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start being the person I want to be. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Instead, it's a it's built from underneath. It's a foundation. It's a continual process of energy put into the right. Yeah. So, how often do you go to the mindfulness thing? Every other week. Every other week. And what and, do you guys do? Um, there's what I'd say are connection games like for instance there's uh, the hot seat it's called and someone's in the hot seat and everyone directs their attention to that person oh yeah fishbowl so even like what what is it called fishbowl sometimes is that what it's called sometimes depending on let me keep describing and we'll see well and so um, like even if there's a person asking so we all ask questions yeah the keys to make it about the person it's coming from a place of curiosity so instead of me going like um, hey Travis I noticed when I'm driving I get really angry and you know I yell easier than when I'm outside do you do that yeah well that's really more about me right 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 right. so instead of like you know hey Travis what are you feeling right now yeah 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 
So, and part of, like when I was talking earlier about 100% responsibility for myself and what I'm feeling. Another one is, um, like if I said, hey, Travis, I want to get closer to you. And you go, what do you want to say? Okay, what do you want to say? And you have permission to say, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But you can say, so what, and I'd say, well, earlier when you were late, I noticed I was really upset about you being late. And then you just go, thank you. Whatever I'm feeling is my responsibility. So part of the agreement is I'm not going to come up to you later and go, you know, I'm still upset. I was really, you know, I don't, it's not your problem. And if I triggered you, you don't come up to me later and go, well, why were you upset? You know, I told everyone I was going to be late. Whatever your feelings, your problem. Hmm. So that, and it's a practice. It's not the other thing I noticed yesterday with practice is in that term is the acknowledgement that I have not mastered where I want to be with what I'm practicing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to slip. I'm going to make mistakes. I just recently saw David Goggins on his social media. You know, he was doing that 24-hour, 100-plus mile run. Mm-hmm. And he, he turned, you know, he saw on social media running, and he said, oh, David Goggins is back on the log. And I was like, wow, even someone at that level of action falls off the log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Joe Rogan says it all the time. Like, every day it's a struggle to work out. Um, yeah, do you ever hear them? Those guys, I think, both talk about uh, Stephen Pressfield's uh, War of Art. I don't know. Oh, yeah, check out that book. It talks about the resistance. It's kind of the same idea. And I listened to it a long time ago. My brother sent it to me. But the resistance is like the opposite of a muse almost. It's where I'm going to do this. And, I'm, and it's like every day it's like battling the resistance. And what that takes is just pressing forward on whatever level that is. Like inching towards something, taking, putting on the calendar, res- taking responsibility, doing the thing now, that kind of thing. Um, I think was kind of the gist of it. That, to me, is a great evolutionary scientific question. Why is our... It seems like our innate nature is decay and death. You know, like it's oh, easier right. to sit in bed, eat chocolate, and watch TV than to get the fuck out of bed and go do something. Something hard, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if we're like. But, but what we dream about is the results of getting the fuck out of bed and doing yeah. something hard. We don't dream like, oh man, I wish I was just a lazy fuck in bed eating chocolate and watching TV. That's not our aspiration. Yeah. Well, people like dream about like the Corona commercial vibe, which is like, you know, you're on the beach with a beer. But that, I think, represents the hard work has been done. Like, you've earned it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to be here for the next 60 years in this beach chair on fucking Cancun. Right? I guess it probably represents like, ah, weekend's here. Right. Whatever. Um, I'm living the good life. Right. So our aspirations are for the results of hard work. Yeah. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder if, like, there was something about energy conservation due to, like, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, like, you had to use your energy in spurts. 
you know, like in like like to chase a saber toothed tiger, and then you spend the next two weeks chilling. Like you ate that meat, you feel like you've done your kill, you know, and then then it's acorn harvest or whatever. But now it's been if that's hardwired in us, and then it's been so I'm just like winging this, but it's been it's been so manipulated by like we obviously don't have to harvest acorns and we obviously don't have to hunt saber tooth tigers. We can just sit back and watch YouTube and order, you know, Uber Eats. So, I, so it's much easier to be manipulated into that sort of situation, maybe. And, and I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is. But, yeah, I wonder why there isn't that hard wire for constant struggle or achievement. Like, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time, the, the struggle. Like, do something hard. Do something hard. Because that's the best way you're going to feel good, learn about yourself, challenge yourself, you know, feel like you're contributing, whatever. He says a bunch of different things about it, but it always made sense to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that does... Watch that Instagram story. Yeah, that does look good. All right, cool. <laughs> Next. Yeah. Well, so how do you become the Instagram creator instead of the Instagram audience? Right. You just do it. Um, I always struggle with that. I always... I always, on both sides, because when I was in high school, I wanted to be a photographer really bad. I was like, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a documentary photographer. I'm going to join the Peace Corps, go to Berkeley. Like, I'm going to just do that for sure. And my grandmother died. A couple things happened. My grandmother died, and I ran upstairs to get my camera to shoot a picture of her. And I'd watched that. I'm pretty sure at that point I'd watched that documentary by James Natwitchie, like, something about war. He's a war photographer, famous war photographer, and he uh, and he had to go in all these homes and shoot all these people, like in like f- you know war torn areas. And, and I learned about that picture that guy had taken in Ethiopia in the famines, or was it Ethiopia somewhere? And the kid had a distended stomach, right. and he's like he's not crawling on the ground, but he's like hunched over on the ground, and there's a vulture like five feet. Uh, right, 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 right. And that photographer actually committed suicide. Wow. Because he'd gotten so much writing from people like, why didn't you save the child? And and what kind of fucking animal are you? And in his mind, he wanted to present the situation as it was. And I mean, I don't remember exactly what he said, but you know, the gist was that it was just as valuable to pr- get that image to press, so that way, like people would believe that this was a serious situation and that was a powerful image and it would spur people into action like sort of like with the Amazon fires right now or whatever like that went viral because people care about it but you need to see that kind of image in order to do it because if someone's like saved our fur or whatever and like people like don't know what that even means then no one's going to care and donate ten dollars so his argument was there but he he ended up because of the or supposedly allegedly because of the controversy he ended up killing himself but anyway long story is I shot at my grandmother right after she died. Like the life just left her body. She was on her bed. I ran upstairs, got my camera, shot a picture of her, and then immediately just felt like such a piece of shit and deleted. I like couldn't do it. And then I went to a concert. I went to a Nine Inch Nails concert in Southern California, and these two guys who were like grown adults. And this was an early concert that had metal trash cans. This was at Coachella, and it had metal. Um, metal garbage cans that were like 55 gallon drums that were out in the concert area like with people and someone had picked one up and threw it and the two guys started fighting they wanted to fight like they both acknowledged like I want to fight who wants to fight I don't want to fight fuck you blah 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 they were fighting and like 
and I took a couple pictures and the guy had like a bloody nose one was a big dude one was a smaller dude but they were both consensual adults wanting to fight and the music obviously was the right setting for it um, and I co- took a couple pictures like this is going to be great I'm going to get amazing shots took a couple pictures and then I was just like I deleted those pictures I was like, and I put my camera down and I handed it to my friend and I was like I gotta break up this fight I can't watch two people fight and like I couldn't watch my grandmother I couldn't take pictures of my grandmother dead I was like and once that happened and then a bunch of other things happened with like kind of early social media and stuff and like I just would notice events and everyone would just be shooting like two people doing some action at a party it's like you know two people making out or whatever and everyone's like oh crazy let's shoot it let's take pictures of it let's come. I was like oh I don't want to be like another person capturing like two people living life or three people living life or one person whatever it was or someone person losing life I don't want to capture action I want to be a part of the action like and that doesn't mean like oh I want to be a movie star but it meant like I want to be the person going out and making a change and I felt like there was too many people documenting all the time so I stopped wanting to be a photographer even though I still work in that field now but ever since then so that was one reason or you were saying how do you get to be the Instagram or content creator versus the person consuming the content I so I've always felt like a creator however I didn't feel like that was the right path for me with photography because of the those situations um in terms of documentary stuff um i just felt like i didn't have what it takes to shoot like gnarly dead people or war scenes and i and i can't stand by idly like and and i'm not saying against the guy who shot the kid with the vulture but like with the two guys fighting or whatever i just like i can't i gotta break it up i can't watch two people fight even if they want to be fighting and but when people in the crowd start kicking i'm like this is it i'm done you're done stop fighting what are you gonna say so that's a perfect moment example where you said already there were two consenting adults. Yeah. You also had the choice of whatever that was going through you wasn't their problem because they consent. They were doing what they both wanted to do. Right. And agreed to. So for you to process that on your own, it wasn't their responsibility. What do you mean? I mean, them stopping what they're doing so that you feel better? Yeah, but there were other things. So this is the part, and I kind of said it, but I didn't really say it. Basically, once, um, partially I think because of the situation, the music, and, and the environment, like quote-unquote mob mentality and stuff, one person was on the ground and the other guy was much bigger. And it, I think what started out as an original consensual fight, and that's why I kind of let it happen for a while, and I took some pictures or whatever. But then, like, people from the crowd started kicking one of them and stuff, and I was like, no, I can't watch this kind of stuff. So that was part of it, too. So then it was moving into a mob riot instead of two guys yeah, fighting. I wouldn't use the term riot, but I definitely would use the term, or I would definitely say that people on the outskirts, it wasn't like a mosh pit, but it was like somebody kicking somebody when they're down, and that person didn't consent to that necessarily, but... You know, they wanted to be involved in this kind of a situation, but I couldn't just sit there and do it. So when it got to that point, like, I wasn't going to let that happen. So, Did you see Fight Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a yeah. great movie. Of course. Yeah, that's different. If, right. it's like, if it was like that, it'd be no problem. But if it was like when that person's down and someone from the crowd's like, boom, like, you know, you see those fight videos now that go viral with like right. a, two pregnant women fighting McDonald's and there's like 40 dudes around filming it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, even if those right. two pregnant women want to fight, I'm going to break it up. Right. I'm just going to do it. Right. I mean, I don't want to see that. Um, and even if, 
I also think, like, even if two people think they want to fight, maybe they don't know what's best. You know, maybe, like, the initial thought's there, but, like, it can get carried away. And, right. like, if somebody gets hurt because they're caught up in their emotions. Right. And I just don't, I don't, yeah. And maybe that's something inside me that's, like, me saying that that's not okay for them to do that. But, I, yeah, I, I mean, it would be case by case, but I would probably 98% of the time break up a fight. If I see two people fighting, even if they're both adults and they want to fight, obviously if they're entered in a fight, they're in a fight for one reason or another. Maybe one person is truly defending themselves or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I'd probably just break it up anyway. So, do you think that in the next week you'll do anything towards comedy or YouTube channel? Uh, in the next week, what is it? This is us coming Friday. into a Saturday, yeah, tomorrow. Um, I don't know. Maybe see if this room is available for rent. It is. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. How do? Yeah. Do you go to this church? No. Oh, okay. But they just say. I, well, I looked around when the mastermind was starting for like a good place to meet. Oh yeah, yeah. And. Um, the price of this room compared to everything else in Mill Valley was reasonable. Yeah. And um, the woman who runs it super cool to work yeah. with. Yeah. And I like the feeling of this room. Totally. It has a bathroom. It has a co- it's separate coded so they don't have to worry about anything over there. Right. Yeah, there's a place when, I, when we were emailing I was thinking about right next door to us is this place called the Alamonte Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they have, they rent their place out for like, I think it's 30 bucks an hour. Oh, really? If you're, yeah, it's huge though. I mean, I was thinking about it for this and I was like, oh, it's quite big. Where's Alamonte? So, you know where the high school is? Yeah. Literally right behind Oh, behind it. Right, right, right. Going up the hill there. It's on, right on the street. You know where that spa is? No, I know exactly where it is. Yeah, it's like, then there's, they have dance I think yes, they have dance there. there. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And they used to rent it out. For, I, we lived like right across the street from mm-hmm. that. Um, they used to rent it out a lot more. I think for parties and stuff. I almost never see anyone in there for parties, and I think the management changed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but very underutilized. Uh, but I thought about it for this when you were saying. So anyway, will I rent that out or this uh, or something? I don't know. But will I do anything for comedy or for? You too. I don't know either. Yeah. Which could be just bringing it up with your partner and talking about it real, like, like yeah. for instance, if you were going to quit your job, yeah, and get a different job, yeah, which I'm thinking about too. Well, so is that a conversation you've had with your partner? Um, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Peripherally, I don't ever like. You guys gotta start diving into it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we're just trying to, like, keep the other plates spinning. And, you know, like, my career or whatever, I, 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 I talk to her about it, like, peripherally. Like, oh, I, like, saw this job and I might apply for it or whatever. But, but I also haven't really been that serious about potentially doing that. So I haven't had that conversation partially because of that. And partially because it was just, I don't know, just haven't. Because this is what I mean. Yeah. Instead of waiting until it's a final decision in yourself and then the conversation starts happening, what if yeah. the conversation is a part of your process? Right. 
and not the conversation, conversations. What if communication is part of your process of decision-making, life changes, taking on new challenges? I guess I've just always done it up here. Right. Yeah. What's wrong with doing it that way? Because now you're in a partnership. Yeah. Now, like, let's say you and I were working and we're co-owners of a business. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And everything I did was kind of a surprise to you because I never was talking about, like, you know what I'm looking at and I'm kind of seeing this and I'm wondering if this is right and blah, blah, blah. Said so you walk in one morning and it's done. Yeah, like you no longer sell hostess kicks and those are my favorite. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, but we're in business together. Right, 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 right. So, like, suddenly we're not selling hostess kicks yeah, yeah. anymore. We're selling meat cleavers. Right. Like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. Well, a few months ago, I started noticing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, well, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Because it was all up here. Yeah. So, part of partnership is communication of process. Yeah. But what if... But it would be what I, I agree with your analogy and I agree with what you're saying, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate. But what if me and you are in business together and, and, and it's not that you stopped, you took the hostess kicks out of the cabinet, which are our best sellers, but it's that you on your own time went and got another partner for a different business that wasn't a direct competitor or had nothing to do with us, but that was just that, like... You know well, I mean? in the case of what I'm talking about, that's called cheating. No, I mean more <laughs> like my career. So, like, I go get another baby mama. And <laughs> no, I'm talking more like job. Like, for me, my yeah, job. Yeah, I think it should be a conversation with you yeah. because it's impacting our business. If I'm going and getting another partner and starting another business, right. I'm taking my energy that could have been fully devoted to our business. It's impacting you. Yeah, but if it's still like another like nine to five job or whatever, like and like just like the ter- the title of the job change. Okay, so yeah. so now we're in business together. Yeah, and Greg's now coming to work three days a week instead of five. No, because it would be the same. I still go to work Monday to Friday, nine to five. Am I as rested as I was? Yeah, it's the same job. It's just it's the same time gone Monday to Friday. I'm just saying, like from a devil's advocate. Right, but that's what I'm saying. The yeah. devil's advocate is a kind of. BS in this instance because everything is impacting if if I'm working 10 hours at our business yeah. and go working another 10 hours at another business it means I'm worth sleeping 4 hours I'm not coming in the same way that I was when I worked 10 hours with you yeah. and went home and rest so let's drop the analogy let's just say I'm working a job now I'm a producer work for film photo commercial etc but what if I instead instead of producing for the client I produce for now, what if I produce for someone else? But it's the same time, it's the same job, it's the same whatever. Right. I haven't had that big conversation necessarily with my partner about that. It's it's going to change. There's yes, it be, will change. So for sure, but I think it would be wiser and yeah, stronger, yeah. right? If you talked with your partner, like here, let me say this for me personally. Yeah, I want to be in partnership with people who the process I'm a part of. Mm. I don't want to be in partnership with silos. Yeah. Why am I even calling that a partnership? But in a partnership, you're talking about a romantic partnership in this case. I'm talking right? about all partnerships. So you don't think that anyone can have any, like, year-term silos? 
You don't think that's healthy? Another example yeah. is this film that I'm currently involved with. Yeah. The director and writer and producer, really, um, I was on location, and he came up to me and said, hey, I'm thinking about this idea for the opening. What do you right. think? Right, right, right. I felt enriched. I was stronger in the production for that dialogue of being a part of that process. Totally. But what if that producer was had another project coming up in six months and had nothing to do with the current project? That's a silo, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, That's a totally separate thing. But, he doesn't but, but we're talking about an intimate partnership, and by intimate, right. I don't necessarily mean lover. I mean, if you and I have started a business together... Yeah. We're close. That right. you know. So, so what I'm talking about is your relationship with the mother of your child that you're yeah. in partnership with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You right now are in partnership. Yeah. And you both have a choice to grow the intimacy and nature of that partnership. So that it grows and thrives as you both continue through your life, or you both have the choice to make choices that uphold a silo mentality. And a silo mentality will beget a silo lifestyle. You plant corn you'll reap corn. You plant partnership, you'll reap partnership. Totally agree. Um. If I am taking away from our business relationship to put energy into another relationship, and I'm not talking with you about it, I've probably already left this business. Right. Yeah, I think the business analogy is weird. Uh, so let's go with the corn one. You plant corn, you reap corn. But what if... And, and so in our partnership, me and my romantic partner, we, you know, I believe in transparency. I believe in, in inclusion. I believe in... Um, That's not up here. Communication. Then it's not up here. But in the, at some stage, it has to be up there. That's part of the process. Right. It's not the process. You don't figure it all out up here and then come to your partner with the answer. Your partner is part of the process. For everything? Everything. What about for surfing? She doesn't... Well, she surfs, but like... <laughs> okay, let's say golfing. Uh, here's what I can yeah. say. My yeah. sister, my littlest sister, told me once her family is what's most important to her. Mm -hmm. All her decisions throughout her life have been for the betterment of her family, not for the betterment of herself. Uh -huh. She just got a degree, having gone to school. She has a career. She's done a lot of things that are personally enriching. And my, from what I see from the outside... Her husband and family are a part of that process. Right. So, and her husband's got a very thriving life that she supports fully. Yeah. So, golfing, 
I don't expect your partner to be out on the golf course with you if she doesn't like golfing. Right, but like, wouldn't that be, in this terminology, wouldn't that be a silo? You're saying full support, and you're saying it's unhealthy to think things in your head a little bit about like my career before I present it as a conversation. You're saying there should be ultimate transparency from the get-go? Is that, yeah. am I hearing you right? But why? What's the harm in like just like looking on like a job board or something and without necessarily breaching that conversation yet. I would and I, say and I like have breached it in real life. Right. But I'm just saying well, what I'm would be saying the like if you look at a job board, yeah. It's probably nothing. But if you find that in a period of a month you've looked at the job board six times, it might be nice that your partner knows like, well, this actually might be a little more serious than a whim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's just defining where that line is or whatever that I'm trying to argue a little and, bit. And part of the partnership, like a real partnership, is you want your partner to be their best, to be their strongest. Yeah. And a real partnership is they want the same for you. So you're both coming from that place of enrichment for the good of the individual and the good of the whole. A great book that I read was Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you read that? No, but I, I've seen it out. I was like the last right, year, year or two. Right. What was amazing is seeing the sacrifice that, I'd say, that she gave in order for her husband to excel at what she, he was doing. Mm. And from what I read, part of why she made that choice is one, she saw that she believed he would do a whole lot of good for humanity and society on this path that he was very passionate about. And she saw that these passions were coming from a very good heart and a really deep-thinking person. Mm. And she also talks about at one point where they went to counseling and she was so angry. And what she realized is that wasn't his problem. She had to deal with that herself. She had to take responsibility for her anger. He wasn't the cause of her anger. Mm. She had to take responsibility for it. And he had his things to take responsibility for as well. Mainly the country. Well, no, in their relationship, right. But what I found really interesting, too, is like after his presidency was over and she came out with this book and she's been traveling all around the world, it's almost, well, what I saw was, in essence, a switch of roles. So... She's now out in the forefront and traveling that, and I imagine that he's the supportive element who's kind of back. Not, not. I think he gives speeches still too. Right, of course he's involved, but you know what I mean. Like, so that's an element of trust too in relationship. Is trusting, like, okay, right now I'm giving a lot, and I know because of my partnership, who I've partnered with, it'll come back too. It's it's going to be an even real partnership and I think part of that is holding space for mistakes like Dave Goggins saying I'm back on the log so you guys aren't going to get it perfect yeah 
Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. I don't think any relationship ever would get anything perfect all the time. And in practice, it gets better and better. Yeah. Like, you going to the gym tomorrow and thinking you can run 10 miles, hit 450 on the bench press and all that, you'd kill yourself, right? Yeah. But if you gradually work towards that, it's going to happen. And that's what I mean in relationship. If you gradually are introducing these concepts of partnership in relationship instead of the 10 mile run right out the door you're like hey let's just run a couple blocks yeah but after a year or two years of that you guys are doing marathons yeah what's the analogy of the 10 mile run is that changing jobs is right like instead of just be like, Waiting hey. until you've got communication perfect, right, and right. you've worked it all out in your mind, yeah. and now you're presenting this perfectly wrapped package. You're to saying your have conversation, have conversation. Yeah. Got it. Right, right. So just, hey, honey, I was thinking. I don't say honey, but it, it, I was thinking about this the other day. What are your thoughts on that? That right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Do you think it's healthy for partners to have individual interests where the other person has nothing to do with it? Like, even, not even a conversation about it? Do I think it's healthy? I think it's unlikely. Other than, like, a passing, like, hey, I've noticed, like, it's on the calendar. Kind like, of. for example, my sister, Rifka, she doesn't surf. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has an interest in surfing. Mm-hmm. She likes going to the beach now and then with Brian, her husband, and he'll go out surfing. Yeah. And she'll ride her bike along the beach and, right. you know, watch a sunset and watch him surf. She likes watching him surf. Right. Doesn't mean she does every single thing he does, but she yeah. likes being a part of it now and then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, your partner might not like to golf. Yeah. But she might like going to the driving range with you now and then and just kind of getting a feeling of what that's about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even golf, but <laughs> I just threw it as an analogy. <laughs> she might like shooting heroin with you now and then. Yeah. That's probably true. Um, Sorry to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. No, I just, yeah, I wonder. I, I I was trying to think, like, what would be a good example? I was like, well, do you think Joe Rogan, like, before he started a podcast, was like, hey, honey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast, or it just seemed like something he might be innately... I'm just, like, guessing here, but it seems like something he would just be like, oh, I think I'm going to do this, and just did it on his own. Like, But then, as it becomes more of a thing, the conversation... I don't think there's necessarily any wrong way to go about it um, in terms of that kind of stuff. Obviously, like, I think the business analogy didn't work that good because it was getting too wrapped up in time allocation but a major life decision obviously there would be conversation about it um I guess the impetus of this was you were asking whether I was going to do comedy or not and then you said and I said yeah I was actually thinking about job stuff too and then you're like have you had that conversation and that's what started all this but yeah I do talk about all this stuff with her but like I said it's just peripheral because it's truthfully been peripheral for me too like it hasn't been something I've ever like like I guess it would be like being in this room I know the door is there to go down the comedy path or go down starting a YouTube path or go down a 
start looking for a different job kind of path or further career kind of path, but I haven't opened any of those doors. I haven't even, like, opened the door to look down the hallway, really, yet. I've just kind of, like, noticed the doors, and, like, the doors are, like, a little shinier than they used to be. Does that make sense? Or, like... like How long has that been? Well, I mean, different for different parts of it or whatever. Um, The YouTube thing... Like I said, it kind of has evolved. Like, I originally wanted to do a documentary about this thing, and then I've been, like, talking with my friend in New York about... Well, not really talking, but we mentioned it. Like, she was in the program, too, and I was like, what are you... Like, she's like, oh, yeah. Um, and then I think just recently I was thinking about that, like, in the back of my head. And then the comedy thing... The same thing, I've always thought about it a little bit, like peripheral, but then I feel like I've had a lot more exposure to it recently. And then the job thing, I mean, probably the back of my head for four or five years, like, oh, I should go to the next step or further my career or try something different or whatever. So, but nothing, like, substantial as ever. Like, I don't I don't even have a resume really built. Like, you know what I mean? It's just been in the back of my head for that long. But I think I've gotten complacent. I think that, you know, I was thinking about this too. You were kind of asking, or at one point during this conversation, you said something about like, you know, the inclination for humanity sometimes is like basically complacency, lazy, consume, whatever, instead of active, do, be. Um, And I was thinking like, I think I moved a lot as a kid. I think my mom moved around a lot and we moved a lot and... I kind of craved stability and like so now like as in my adult life like I've been in San Francisco my entire adult life and then I lived in Middle Valley the last 10 years had the same job more or less for the last 11 years I'm 36 now so I mean same job actually really same career path or whatever for my entire one I've never like bopped around or anything um you know so I kind of think I craved more stability and I'm like and then you know I think I've challenged myself a little bit, but yeah, I probably haven't really like jumped into the boiling pot of water to challenge myself. What were you going to say? Sorry. Have you craved stability or are you complacent? Well, I think a little bit of both. Like, I think originally I like, I remember like when I was younger, uh, I used to play this video game called EverQuest. Have you ever heard of it? It's like one of those massive multiplayer games. And I remember, like, noticing, like, in that game, you need to, in order to get higher level achievements or big, like, that was kind of one of the first massive ones, massive online role-player games. And in order to, like, kill big dragons, you had to bond, bond with lots of people to gang up and kill them. So you had to communicate, organize, and what they would form is guilds, you know, like clubs, basically. And, um... Or like fraternities or whatever. And I remember like in that game, like popping around from guild to guild and being like, oh, this is like the quick way to like, you know, whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. But I do remember seeing people who stayed in the same guild the whole time. I was like, you know, they really like stuck to their guns and like they like, they ended up having a lot more advantages because like they were a much tighter knit group. They like, they were able to achieve bigger success and stuff. And, like, I remember thinking then, like, oh, I need to, like, just stay put for a little bit and, like, really dig in and, like, you know, get all my stuff taken care of in, like, whatever that format is. And then, like, I'll be able to, like, 
you know, go somewhere for vacation and come back. And, like, you know, I don't know. Like, I just felt, like, the need to, like, stay stable and be rooted somewhere. So that was answering that question. Like, I felt a little bit of that, but now I felt like it's kind of, like, devolved into um, complacency. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I was hearing is there's a difference from rooting and yeah. gaining strength in a rooting. Yeah. Because you're not complacent. The roots are growing and the whole thing's growing stronger because that guild is out fighting bigger dragons and learning from the mistakes and going, okay, next right. dragon, we're going to... And that's what I mean with the partnership with your partner. If you guys wanted to, of course, that's a key part to it. But that kind of communication of here's this how how do we live the life that we imagine all the time yeah 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 I think that's a good conversation to have I mean we kind of like I said have that in parcels and bits and chunks here and you know that kind of stuff and peripherally but maybe yeah I think it's a good idea I'm not opposed to it um I think all communication is probably helpful. Like, what, what, you know, as long as, yeah, as long as it's two willing participants. <laughs> yeah. If it's being it's talked true. at or talked into, maybe it's not. But, yeah. but it's hard. Yeah, we were seeing a therapist for a while, and she was so good, and I really liked her. Um, I felt like it, it helped. I mean, I, I believe in therapy, and I'm all for it on any level for any person or couple or any conflict or anything because um, it just helps to have somebody to talk to and to re- like a sound like I feel like when you were describing your you when you said I was kind of asking you what you got out of your mind hunter guys what are they called the thing oh mastermind mastermind right, right right and you were saying you know a place where people are there to witness you mentioned and stuff and, and what that was I was reading that as is a sounding board kind of mm-hmm. like you reflect what you feel and then they say you know, I don't know, they say whatever, and you can either register that as true and it helps you identify what is true for you and what isn't. Um, and I feel like therapy is that, but more intensely in one-on-one. But um, it's good to have that in whatever format it comes from, whether it's a soccer team, a mastermind, Masons, or... Uh, Comedians. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be a weirder route to it, but... But it's true too. Yeah, it's I real. yeah I listened to that one that recent Joe Rogan with Cor- Dr. Cornell West. Did you listen to that one? Is that the one that just went live? Ah, uh, maybe. No, 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 it was no, like no, a couple no, weeks, yeah, so maybe a month or two ago. Uh, um, I think he's Professor at Harvard. I forgot. What oh wait, I did see that one. His, his deal oh, is. I forget what his deal is. Uh, Short term memory. He does something. It seems. Uh, it's definitely academic and definitely intellectual. I forgot. I did see that one. Yes, yeah. I remember his dialogue. Where I was like, "Wow, that is a very learned man." Yeah, it's a very academic conversation. I remember that. But he thing. was talking about the importance of jesters and like the importance of using comedy to push um, social awareness and um, and to talk about to use it as a medium to talk about um, you know current issues and whether that's a social injustice whether it's a you know whatever it is it's just a, he said it's a, historically it's been one of the most um, effective communication mediums for talking about things and uh, 
Yeah, so when you said comedy, too, would be another way to have a sounding board or have a reflection or communication time um, to learn about yourself or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I've personally done that. I don't know if I have with a comedian. I'm not sure. Do you see a lot of live comedy still? Um... No, I'd mostly see stuff on Netflix that it's releasing. So oh, stand yeah. up on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you just see the Dave Chappelle one? That came the out. new one, Sticks and Stones? Yeah. No. I saw it got zero Rotten Tomatoes, so I wasn't interested. Just kidding. But it did get zero. Did it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the public, too? No, the public gave it 99. But they closed it to public in the beginning. And they only they only um, allowed five journalists that they pick to, come to uh, review it for the tomato version of it, not right, the public right, audience right. score. And the five they picked were like very, um, very anti-Dave Chappelle. Ah! So ah! it got like, like literally 0% or something. That's fucking crazy. And then they that put it back stupid. up. That's like someone, I hate chocolate. Well, rate this chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that chocolate sucks. Yeah. Why? Because I hate chocolate. Yeah. That's stupid. I I thought it was brilliant. I thought I was like going to a university lecture in a funny way. It was right. brilliant. Right. My brother didn't like it. My son didn't really like it. Yeah. So, but that I think is a perfect example of Like, to me, there's some stuff he hits on. Like, I didn't agree with everything he said. Sure, sure. But I'm really glad it's out in the open and being talked about. Yeah, why not? What's and, the harm in talking about that? Right. And that's what you just said earlier. Yeah. Like, communication is yeah. really important. Right. Freedom of ideas. And then let's... It's evolution. It's so strong to survive. The best ideas. The ones that can't stand up to anything get shit on immediately. And people are like, oh, that's I'm over with that idea. That was a waste of time. And the ones that are good, people are like, oh, there's something to this. You know, like you were saying with the men's groups, like originally, like there's a, there's some sort of primal foundational like thing about human improvement or human element that rang true for you. And something like you said, when I was asking you how you got in the Masons. Right, right, um, right. Like there's, and I also hope that I live where if you're challenging one of my ideas, it's either strengthened by the challenge and therefore better off for it, or it was a shitty idea, and the quicker I get rid of it, the better off I am. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to tell those two apart. Right. <laughs> but yes, I'm good at challenging uh, <laughs> all ideas. But yeah. How are you receiving challenge? Uh, I think good. I don't know. I, it's, I suppose it depends on what the challenge is. I, I don't know. I can... I, probably could always be a little better at being receptive to alternative opinion. Um, and by the alternative, I mean anyone's other than mine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I try to try to be, but yeah. How are you, uh, like you being away from home right now? What do you mean? Like you're, like you're doing this podcast on Friday night. Yeah. How am I with being way off? Like, home? is your partner, is she all good with this? And oh, we yeah. could be here till 11 o'clock and she'd be fine? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, what was it? What is it? Friday, so Thursday. What was Thursday? I forgot. Yes, oh, right. she shot a wedding last night. Oh, well. So I, I had Tanzan all night. Um, yeah, we're pretty, like, 
you know, pretty balanced. I mean, I mean, in terms of like diffusion of responsibility kind of stuff. Or even your own partnership together. Because yeah. if you guys are just like tag teaming, taking care Ships of... Ships in the night kind of right, thing. Right, right, yeah. right. Then, again, you plant corn, you reap corn. Yeah. Uh, I'm allergic to corn, actually. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, yeah. How are we as a partnership? Um, you mean always room for improvement. I feel, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we could be better, but that's mainly on me. Um, but in terms of like dealing with Tansa and stuff, I feel like we're pretty balanced and pretty good. I don't I mean, I'm not sure she would say the same thing. I'm guessing she would, but I don't know. I don't feel like there's any large disparities. Um, in terms of that. But, yeah, in terms of just this Friday night specifically, I feel like she's fine. She was like, oh, what are you doing? Are you just listening to a podcast? He wants you on the podcast? What does he want to talk to you about? He's like, are you guys going to watch it? Like, she didn't really understand why. I was like, I don't honestly know what the podcast is about in any way, shape, or form. I knew I knew it was called... Actually, I thought it was called Live with Greg. But... When you introduce us, live with Greg. That was news to me too. Yeah, um, I meant to watch one and look at one, and I just time went by and I didn't do it. Um, is there any sort of formulation to to what you're doing with this, and other than just having conversations in the community? Is that kind of the idea? That's it. Yeah, hanging out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, is it kind of Mill Valley centric? No. Okay, because I, when I asked the library if we could use that room just randomly when I was there the other night, she was like, "Well, we'd be open to we'd be open to opening it up to somebody if they were doing something like Mill Valley centric." And I was like, "Oh, that means exactly." Yeah, what the hell does that mean? I think it means like live in Mill Valley. No, I know, but I think it means if it's like in some way arguable that benefits the community and they could talk because she said basically the hesitation as to why they haven't opened that room up which made a lot of sense to me was it's a lot of high-end audio come in they'd have to train someone and they don't want to like be responsible for damage if someone operated the equipment in um incorrectly and it was damaged somehow like i don't know blue speaker whatever i don't know what it means but that it was too much responsibility to take on but they'd be willing to train someone if it if their values aligned with the libraries and it seemed like it was community-based. But it's not open to public, is what she said, yeah. basically. They used to, before they did the remodel, have this fire room. It was called, like, the fire room or something. It's downstairs. Oh. And it was a little meeting room with a fireplace and all the stuff. And they would let anyone use that if That's it wasn't right. being used, you know. Yeah. It was rad, for free. So know. it's below where the top fireplace is? It used to be. It doesn't exist anymore. Like, the so fireplace like, itself got taken out? Yeah, the whole oh. room. Yeah, oh. gone. Uh, it was like when you go downstairs, yeah. that whole open area that's all those books downstairs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Underneath the, the children's, le- no, underneath. Oh, there. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that whole section, there used to be a fire room side window. Oh, weird. There, and, yeah. yeah. And it was like probably about this big and had a round, like an oval table. And wow. Probably too many people sleeping in there. Like no, that. see, I was. That was before homelessness it was yeah. such an issue like it is today. Yeah. But it, it just seems to me that a community like Mill Valley would have a communal place to just have meet 
Yeah. Come, you know, like, and well, do this. They already have, like, I mean, the square is a leg up on most towns. Like, having an actual physical square is kind of cool. It is. Cool. Just because it is a center place yeah, for the town. Cool. And and I know, like, Sonoma has one, um, which is cool. Petaluma kind of has one. Oh, does it? What, what's sort this? of, like, where the downtown section where the live music is and that whole kind of the riverfront kind of vibe thing right, right, yeah right. yeah, yeah. It's like a there's two, a fountain right next to right, Della Fitteria right. there I don't know the name but yeah that's yeah. a bakery right there yeah 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 there is kind of that but the square feels a little different I feel like because it's like it's truly just for sitting kind of like yeah. and like those guys have always played chess I've always wanted to play chess with those guys there um, yeah the square's a leg up I would say the library's amazing and definitely, like, super used. Most libraries are not that used anymore. Right, like, right. And this library is pretty busy. Well, and the free stuff, like you talked All about, the Naked Lunch. Yeah. I mean, Naked Truth. Truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dude, it's yeah. free. And they're yeah. serving wine. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I took a, I took a bread-making class. I took a mushroom foraging class. I took those writing classes I was talking about. I took, I go to those things all the time, the Naked Truth. I've been to, a f- I went to a history thing, I went to a Grateful Dead thing. Yeah, I do a lot of the events they do because it's so cool. Yeah. And I, I, I'll go to the library like on a night where I want to get like some extra work done or whatever and I'll go there and work just because we have a small place um, and it's just easier sometimes to go there and do the work. Um, I love that library. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there is a couple rooms downstairs. I've never really, I've gone into them for classes and stuff. I don't know what the process is but yeah and then the Alamonte Clubhouse this space I bet there's probably more did you find others in your quest no free ones oh yeah free one yeah, yeah. that's what I mean like the fireside yeah. thing used to be free do they charge you for this yeah yeah not for tonight oh that's cool Maybe I should say. yeah they're yeah they're super but I've been um, like with the mastermind group it's yeah. been like four years maybe of you know so I've been part of that every month for yeah, fairly consistently for a long time. And it's three of you guys, you said. It is right now. Yeah, yeah. at times it's been five. And how long does it go each session? Two hours. We, okay. uh, and is there a format of any kind? I know you said kind of what the gist of what you did, but like, I think right now with um, the three of us, we each get a half an hour, so I'll like kind of just fire hose out whatever's going on in my mind where I'm at what's you know what I'm hoping for and then I get feedback and then it's the next person's turn so we have a loose starting time like start it's 9 to 11 yeah but we kind of like have all agreed we'd show up late for things so yeah 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 you know around 9.30 we start and each person gets a half hour wow that's late that's crazy and you live near in that morning Oh, 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 okay, got it. That makes more sense. It's like, I don't know if I could talk at that hour. Yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that sounds cool. I've never even heard of it. Um, If you go on YouTube, like Napoleon Hill, I think there's a video of him talking about Mastermind, and it's the best explanation I've seen. Okay, yeah. Jack Canfield's talked about it a lot. And again, the premise is probably under a lot of different names. It's, you know... yeah. It's yeah. in essence like this could be a mastermind. Right. You know, you and I will leave from this with stuff that we're processing and thinking about and hopefully better off for it. Yeah. But the, that one sounds more like um, 
expression and then opening up for dialogue feedback whatever this is just I think more dialogue just flowing right Mm -hmm. would that be the difference yeah 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 I I am craving something like that Like, like I said I was researching the Masons just like and like I said there was a lot of like men not a lot but there was a few and my grandfather was always involved in the lions and I just kind of feel like more community is cooler and better um, for me but I never haven't done that one yet either that's another door I see but I haven't opened it up but. well part of what I think is so hardcore about Dave Goggins is he's all about it's coming from him because at any given time if he's relying on an outside element that element who is he when that element disappears yeah Boy, that's fucking hardcore. It is hard. Like, like I said, like I'd rather be in bed eating a bowl of Cocoa Krispies yeah. and watching TV. That's easier to do in the moment, but it's hard to live with the result of that choice. Right. Yeah, and and like a lot of like I feel like I've heard a lot of like artists, like musical artists or, or other kinds of artists who say like there's like that it takes a long time to understand to listen to your own intuition and stuff and like and I wonder if like like what David what you're saying David Goggins has said is like he's listening to his intuition but taking action on it you know like I know this is what I want and what I'm doing and what's best for me and I'm gonna go do that now versus I know this is what I want and that's what is best for me but I'm gonna get to that when that time is right or when the stars align or when whatever like that well, hit, like what I see him talk about is like even just within the past couple months he was like lacing up his shoes to go for a run talking about how he didn't want to go for it he looked at his shoes for half an hour before yeah. he started lacing them up to go for a run and his impetus for finally putting them on and running is yeah this is hard this moment right now but what about when life gets really hard if I give up in this moment, I've lost the real challenge. Yeah. So every moment, every challenge for him is prepping him for a real challenge. But the beauty is every challenge is that prep. Like that that challenge that defeats him is never going to come. Yeah. Because he's meeting every challenge with that mindset of not today. Like today I'm putting on my shoes even though for half an hour my mind was giving me all this reasoning why not to do it and all these feelings and all this shit going on inside me is absolutely supporting not doing it right and I'm still gonna do it because you know for him what's gonna happen he when a real challenge comes Right. When it's not some inner thing. Yeah, it's extraneous. It's, right. it's outside of him. It's affecting him. Um, he'll be more prepared and and better equipped to face it. Um, yeah, I think you should check out that book for sure. The War of Art. Uh, Stephen Pressfield. I feel like that'll be up your alley for sure. Mm-hmm. Have you read anything else lately that you're into? You said Becoming, but... Yeah, so I haven't read much lately. I'm reading a novel that a woman wrote 
who was on her and her friend they were on a podcast last year and I'm just kind of finishing that novel I do a lot of podcast listening so most of my educational supportive stuff like sometimes in the morning I'll play some of the motivational YouTube videos as I'm brushing teeth and getting ready yeah um you know but I slip and fall just like the rest of us yeah I don't think I'm a good example of well, you're someone who's aware and someone who's trying, and that right there is two legs up. I mean, some people aren't aware. <laughs> I don't think we're all aware. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, another story we hear all these people say so easily is the frog in the boiling water. You know, you drop in a fo- frog in the boiling water, they leap out, you know, because it's boom. But you put a frog in water and turn on the heat slowly, and it slowly comes to boiling. Yeah. Frog's just going to sit there, acquiesce, and die. Right. So part of our complacency is death. You're saying that's what it can lead to? That's what it is. Yeah. You know, for me, like, again, the easy choice in the moment is staying in bed eating garbage and watching TV. However, the result of that choice over a span of time is harder to live with. Totally. But you still do it sometimes, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Because it feels good. Because I'm a fucking idiot. Well, but sometimes it's okay to let yourself... Sometimes it's okay to be a fucking idiot. It's never okay. Really? You don't think really? it's ever like valuable to stay in bed, watch Netflix, and eat a bowl of cereal? No. Never. But, well, okay, let me say this. Depends on the cereal. Like, I'm picturing Cocoa Puffs. That's you know? what I'm into, yeah. Yeah, that's... No, I don't think it's ever okay to eat that. If you made your own granola and, you know, roasted the stuff and everything and had healthy stuff, that's probably great. But here's the other thing. So there's two stories that come into mind that I could say yeah. real quick. One is it's no mistake that the Sabbath exists. So part of our growth is rest. That's nature, sure. everything. Yeah. You know, the cycles. So rest is absolutely important to growth. Absolutely. Contemplation, like you talk about the self, contemplation is absolutely an important part to growth. What about indulgence, though? So, no, I don't think indulgence is ever valuable. valuable. Really? But to me, it could be semantics. To me, indulgence is shooting heroin. Indulgence is... um, imbibing in something that isn't healthy for me. That's the, my definition. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so, with you on the difference. So, but here's a story that a friend told me that, okay, I'm telling you a story, but it's a true story. I don't have personal experience with the story, but the friend I heard it from, it's his personal story. I trust him implicitly. Here's the story. So he's a, he was a contractor, and he was working with a guy in his 70s that was mudding. Are you familiar with contracting? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the guy was telling him that when he turned about 65, he was miserable. He lived in Grass Valley up in mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And miserable, hated life. And he decided, fuck it, why am I doing this? He sold his house, moved down to... Um, 
Anaheim mm-hmm. and got a little like a part there. He's like going to indulge in all his vices. He was just going to kill himself mm-hmm. by drinking and smoking and garbage, right? What happened to this guy? He started getting better and healthier and happier and all this stuff. And after a year, he was in a great space. He's like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm going the wrong direction. And he stopped all that, moved back up to Grass Valley and started mudding and working and loving it. So that real story, like what you're talking about indulgence, like this guy was choosing things that were supposed to kill him. Right. But he would enjoy in the moment. It was indulgence. He was going full head on into indulgence. And what happened is he turned his life around. So my belief is that our biology is a byproduct of our consciousness, our mental health. I'm not following that part. The biology is a byproduct of our consciousness. So this guy in indulging, what happened is he became happier. He became, and in that, he became healthier. It wasn't that he became healthier first. He was a, he was biologically doing the wrong thing. Right. But emotionally, he became happier. And because of that, he became healthier. His biology was a byproduct of his emotional mental state. Why did he become happier? Because he was indulging in all this shit that he had, like... So isn't that value? Right, it was totally... So that's, I'm telling you this story, because as I'm saying to you, that I don't, uh, for me, the semantics, indulgence, I don't support indulgence. I wouldn't say to you, Travis, go out and shoot heroin and smoke and drink and fuck anything. Yeah. But I am saying I do know a story where that worked out perfectly. Yeah. I think of it as, like, flirting with the edge of it. Like, you know, you're on your motorcycle and... Or I'm on my motorcycle, and I just like, hmm, happens if I go a little faster, just test the edge. Not looking for the edge of like, whoa, okay, now it's a crash, but like, just indulge a little bit in that machine that's meant to go fast and take corners quickly. And like, yeah, you could keep it 45 the whole time and be chilling, and it's one kind of ride, and there's nothing wrong with it, but once in a while, don't you want to just taste what it feels like to go a little faster and enjoy that wind a little harder? You know what I mean? So how do I find that experience in the most responsible manner? And and part of that is an acknowledgement that I am not an island, that I have children, that I have friends, that I have family. So if my indulgence has the potential for being face first in the side of a cliff how am I loving my daughter in that moment yeah okay so maybe the motorcycle in that case doesn't make sense but it doesn't matter what you bring up because now you're trying to find a scenario that works what I'm saying is I'm not saying don't you know push your motorcycle and yourself like I'm not saying what I am saying it's going back to the community and communication and interaction that what you're doing 
is affecting your daughter. Right. Is affecting your mother-in-law. Is affecting your mom. Is affecting your brother. Yeah. Is affecting me. What you're doing is not a silo. Right. It is a communal action. Every action is a communal action. Yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah, and there is a responsibility portion of it. But what about that it just teaches you more, and I'm more experienced then? Do you need to shoot heroin to know that you don't really need to shoot heroin? No, but I bet you a bunch of musicians who created music after shooting heroin could tell you that they weren't going to create the same music if they weren't on heroin. Lou Reed? Well... I don't know what his personal thing is. I know, um, like, Joe talks about getting high and how it adds a little bit more to his artistic um, venture as a comedian. Yeah. George Carlin talked about getting high. Yeah. To, like, he would write and write and write, and then he'd smoke a little marijuana, and that would help yeah. push it past that. I am saying let's remain conscious of how that's affecting the community as well. Right. If I'm able to... In, from what I have saw from George Carlin's stand-up, his very last stand-up was a pretty angry piece of work. Yeah, it wasn't so funny seen. anymore. It didn't seem like he was... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which one he was. And, uh, and I didn't know him personally, so maybe that was his work, and yeah. you know, he was hanging out with friends, totally fine. Yeah. Um... And I guess that's like, what's his name? Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, that's huge heroin addict. Right, and yeah. he's dead. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying his Chris Farley, dead. Yeah, you know. So, but people who didn't do heroin die too. But all I'm saying is, I think that I don't know. I'm just making the argument about the indulgence stuff just for fun because I'm curious about it. And I definitely like to indulge. Um, so you're saying to your daughter, yeah, it's okay for you to indulge. When you're 18, go out, get drunk, rip around, because, you know, could be good. Well, I don't know. You know, I think that it's nuanced. Like, like having a bowl of cereal and watching Netflix at night is indulgence. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there's something else I could be doing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's nuanced. I do believe part of love your neighbor as yourself yeah. means that we have to love ourselves first. I can only love you to the extent that I'm loving myself. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So sometimes hanging out in bed with a bowl of cereal watching Netflix is completely loving myself. Right. I'm just giving myself a treat. Good for you, Greg. Just hang out. Ha- take a break. Right. But But couldn't that all speak classified as indulgence yeah could. yeah yeah but so i am agreeing with you in yeah. that sense indulgence could be an act of love yeah right yeah i guess like if but if you're like oh I'm just eating cereal and it's like a more of an act of violence because i don't know whatever or uh, the next morning i'm like fuck why did i do that uh. yeah yeah and that happens yeah especially obviously like that last textbook hangover shit but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to know what's right. There's a really simple equation that I do my best to live by, and it's like I'm far from living it, but it's yeah. a great. Am I happy? 
Yeah. If I'm happy, I'm doing the right thing. If I'm not happy, something to be changed. Some something to be. Yeah. Well, that's why they say ignorance is bliss, because it's easy to be happy when you don't know any better. Um, but when those blinders come off, yeah, you better be ready. That's what Dave Gaggins about. I think you know. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss until the blinders come off. But what if you go your whole life and the blinders? I mean, everyone God has blinders. You. Everyone God has God. blinders on some level. Yeah. For something, something like you know, there's something we don't even know is wrong that we're doing wrong now, right? Like back in the day, smoking or something. But, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good motto. If you're, if you're happy, you're doing something right. I, I could agree to that, but. I guess then you'd have to explore why it makes me happy to go fast on a motorcycle. The thrill. And I don't even do this. This is just advocate. I do ride motorcycles. Or I used to ride motorcycles until I got in an accident. <laughs> Did you have a daughter at the time? Uh, no. 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 Um, yeah, well, I was just going to say, you can live a perfect life and you still get cancer, and you're dead the next day. And if you weren't happy living that perfect life, what was the value of it? Yeah. And, you know, like playing devil's advocate, so a psychotic person, aren't they gaining enjoyment from the pain they're creating? I don't... So that's, for me personally, I think it's more that something traumatic happened in their life and the programming, the natural state of their being is fucked up. Sure. So it's not a true happiness. And another description I heard about happiness that I love was this gentleman who talked about real happiness. So if you picture an ocean, so real happiness coming from deep. If you picture an ocean in a storm, mm-hmm. on the surface it's chaotic, hundred foot waves, you know, bursting wind, madness. But you go, you know, down deep, it's calm. That's happiness. Like so that, that to that me level. is the happiness level that I seek. Got it. That I want to live from. Yeah. And what causes that for you? Practice of happiness. Well, how do you practice happiness if you describe it as practice of happiness? So, I know from experience that I'm happier if I've gotten out of bed and gone and worked out. Right. But I know from experience that if I eat sugar cereal every day, I'm not as happy as if I'm eating a healthy breakfast with vegetables and a couple slices of toast. Yeah. That's the value of indulgence. Is it teaches the, like what we said in the beginning with the children. is like to play devil's advocate to that. I don't need to shoot heroin to know that I don't want to shoot heroin. Right, or cut off a leg is like a classic example. Right, right. So... We can justify indulgence to the point where it's not serving us. And that's the other element. That's where happiness becomes real, apparent, truly happy. And the other thing that I think about happiness is it grows. It resonates. So if I think I'm happy, but 
my kids are miserable, my brother's miserable. You know, like the surrounding entity in my life is misery. And I'm not really happy. I'm fooling myself. And that's where communication comes in great. You know, because I could think, wow, fucking Travis and I, we had a great time. That was awesome hanging out with them. You know, like, Greg, you were a fucking idiot, you know. Like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Like, hopefully I hear you. Instead of going, oh, you're full of shit, Travis. That was awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's the beauty of interaction and communication. Is learning the medium. Learning what's real. Yeah. Yeah, but do you value sadness and anger and all that? Do I value it? Will I experience it? Yeah. Do I value it? I'm learning not to beat myself up when it is part of my life. Yeah. Learning to be more grateful for it, kind of like the Rumi saying, you know, invite whoever's at the door in, whether it's sadness or joy or misery or anger, because maybe that guest is coming in to clean house for something bigger, something brighter. Yeah, and or maybe that guest is someone you got to have a conversation with. Right. Um, Did you read Michael Ballin's book at all, The How to Change Your Mind? Came out last couple of year, last year or two. Mm-hmm. It's about psychedelic um, therapy, psychedelic assisted therapy. So it's about working with a therapist after you take like a massive dose of psychedelics, and that's one of the things that they say in that coaching is that therapist will say, "Whatever you're facing, don't run from it and face it head on. Greet it, you know, deal with it. That's it. Don't be scared of anything and run towards it." Mm-hmm. Don't run away from it. Whatever. And it'll present itself as this monster, whatever, you know. And my experience with partnership is we often shy away from the hard conversation that we really should be bringing up with a partner because we're afraid. So it's easier to shy away. But either we become complacent or we die and it just the relationship flatlines so by diving into the darkness with a partnership and what the beauty is if both people do their best to remain conscious of that choice let's enter into the void together see what happens yeah Yeah, I'm not anti that. So instead of trying to figure it all out up in here, and then presenting a perfect picture to the partner, like, you know what? I have no fucking idea what's going on. Here's some things that are happening for me. Yeah. What do we do with this? Yeah. What do we do with this? Yeah, I think that... Yeah, I agree with you. But I still do think it's okay to have my own thoughts and not necessarily share everything, you know? Whatever. And or it's not that I'm not willing to share something, but that I when it is time I will or if it needs to be or not, you know, like I'm you know, at the emphasis and I don't think that there's a pro or a con to it. I do I see what you're saying about having conversation, meaning like at any point or any stage of the process to 
be transparent and bring it out about I randomly thought this the other day what do you think about that I see the value in that too but I also I see value in not doing that sometimes too and being like oh well it is what it is or it's nothing you know what I mean well I would just go back to if I was wondering I'd go back to that happiness thing right am I I happy in this moment then there's no reason to bring that up yeah are we both happy is the family happy is the unit happy are people happy at work right 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 yeah and I think you could replace happiness with anything or am I yeah yeah I think you could yeah any feeling I think would be interchangeable at any moment with that sort of statement like am I sad is that okay do I want to express this to the other person do I want to bring the, is it fleeting is it something serious is it do I need to talk about it is it going to get worse in my do I need to prepare them and me and us and our community and our shared Venn diagram whatever that is about this situation I do believe if someone asks me it's probably the right time to talk about it even if everything going on in me is saying no I don't want to deal with it what do you mean like if someone asks so if someone asks me like hey Greg are you angry about Oh yeah, or yeah. how are you feeling sure. right now? Yeah. Like I'm noticing what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably the right moment to start talking about it, even if I'm not ready. Oh yeah, yeah, because that means it's affecting them if they're noticing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. No, I know. I agree with that too. I guess I was just saying more for like the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down for it. Anything else? No, I gotta piss. It's so bad. It's a beautiful world for you. It's a beautiful world. Not me. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world.